Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm your host, Wim Lu. Joining me back on the program after a uh, short weekend trip to Montreal is uh, producer and co-host Alex Wong. What's going on, Alex? What's up, my brother? Fresh from La Belle Provence, you know, accidentally booked a Porter flight that flew into Pearson. Okay. Um, that's yeah that was that a happen? huge it's... cell phone i don't know i guess when i was booking the flight i didn't realize yyz was where i was going okay yeah wow and wow. so that really took away the advantage of flying porter that took away like 90 percent of the advantage i gotta say <laughs> i'm man. not gonna lie when i checked in the night before i was crushed Yo, like, like i was legit crushed i was like i was like am i gonna be a civilian and take an up express at six in the morning just oh, to save 20 bucks God no i ended damn. up calling the uber Yo, the Up Express up, is great, though. What do you mean? I know, but like, the, okay, the Up Express is like what, twelve bucks, six bucks? Here's the thing with me: a cab is a cab is thirty. Here's the thing about Up you Express. saving eighteen and going to Monkey Sushi. If you don't take it all the way to Pearson, mm-hmm. they will not check your ticket. Oh, okay. So you, oh, so you're going. You're saying um, so, be a criminal. Uh, a man okay. like me who lives fairly mm-hmm. close to Blorgo, which is at uh, Dundas West Station, essentially. Um, you know, who also goes to Scotiabank quite regularly for work. It's a uh, free ride, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to, like, snitch anything out. I'm just trying to help out my fellow citizens. Uh, of course, if I go to the actual airport like you're doing, I would actually buy a ticket. And I think it is, like, 12 bucks. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, wow. it's okay. It's okay. You know, That's things tough. happen. That's you, tough, bro. I didn't even Porter to, operated out of there. Me neither. And, you know, it's like a huge walk of shame, too, because the Porter flights go out of, like, the last gate. Like, like oh. you, you check through security... Mm. And you're like, I'm going to a like 85. <laughs> so you're walking all the way through all those like relay yeah. stores with all the magazines, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that, that sure. one pub where people are somehow like having like two beers at like nine in the morning. It's an airport. It doesn't count. Though. I just really don't understand like morning drinking, especially if you're like just flying to like Montreal or something like you'll be there in an hour. Well, I mean, if you're flying Porter, you do get free uh, drinks on the <laughs> That's plane. That's right. Free beer and wine. Did you did you get some free beer no, and wine No, I just got plane? some almonds. Yeah. Wow. Just some almonds. Again, wow. I don't understand. Why would I drink on a flight to Montreal? Yeah. A 50-minute flight. Like, I couldn't even finish one Raptor Show pod on there. Okay. As I was going like 1.2 speed. But, yeah, I don't understand drinking on the airplane when... If your flight's 15 hours, I get it. But for a 50-minute flight? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just... I guess it does sound good on paper but now mm. that i'm thinking about it, now you're bringing it up i'm like what am i having this drink for like are you like are you having it just because you know you can have it like what am i on the perk. way to where i have to get a drink in first because right like i'm gonna land and check yeah. in at the hotel yeah i don't need a like, drink for that yeah anyways yeah. it is right. a good perk yeah, fair. but anyways you walk all the way to like gate a85 like all the way to the end of the conveyor belt and then you <laughs> still have to take and then you still have to go downstairs this guy was firmly in mississauga man <laughs> yeah. Sky went from Toronto to Mississauga in no, the airport itself. I was deep in it. And so, yeah, huge walk of shame. But no, it was a, it was a great trip to Montreal. And on the way back yesterday, again, I was, I was hiding in shame at the airport check-in counter because I was, you know, flying Porter back to Pearson. And, uh, you know, this, this white dude walked up to me. Okay. And from far away, you know, I couldn't really recognize who it was. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, it's going to be a, a Raptor show stand oh, wow. from La Belle Provence. Mm. And then to my disappointment, it was uh, Pound the Rocks, Joe Wolfond. Oh, okay. Who, nice. was on, who was on the exact same flight as me, him and his, 
his wife, Sophie, were in Montreal over the weekend for a wedding. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, so we bonded over the fact that we both screwed up and booked this flight. <laughs> I was going to say. To go back to Pearson. And then he apparently got an upgrade to like row three, but there's no premium seating on that porter plane. No, first of all, the porter planes, I feel like they're all super small. Like they see like 100 <laughs> yeah. people. I feel like but he bragged to me. He's like, yeah, we got a, we got a free upgrade. It's not an upgrade. It's not even first row class. Three. I was like, what'd you do? Walk up to the counter and shout white privilege? <laughs> yeah, you just, you just closer to the washroom at that point? Like, what are you getting out of that? And then we were just That's talking tough. about like, as we do with Wolfon, we were just talking about like white people stuff like oh again type type beat and i was like again (laughs) and i was like hey uh running this theory by you um you think you guys like to go camping just to like create the illusion of struggling um because that's what i see camping as like you guys have beautiful beautiful homes you know you know like you're you're living a great life but let's go out there to the wilderness where we can't shower for four days for for no reason like so he he didn't debate it Mm -hmm. his wife either so this is my new working theory. Well, the last time he came on your your program, Stephen LeBron Radio, we're plugging a, a, a podcast <laughs> yeah, that has a been defunct, dead. A defunct radio. Uh, it's like it's been dead for three it's years. It's like telling people to go check out HMV. <laughs> Yo. Hey, if you want your music, go check out an HMV. Yeah. Um, yes, last time he was on. Yeah, he he talked about portaging and stuff. Which, yeah, uh, which is still like ob- objectively out of all the camping activities. I because I also do enjoy camping as well. Right. Like, you know, I I, I you know. Get, get out there in the woods, put up a little hammock, yeah, yeah. cook some instant it's, noodles it's, and it's a pot. Get out, it's get out in many, uh, yeah, many scenarios. I, I hear you, I hear you. You know, you know cut, cut up a little hot dog, you know, eat a glizzy with no one around. Like, it, Why don't you just have a glizzy in the beautiful downtown Toronto outside of just, the Rogers Center? I promise you it doesn't hit the same. I promise you it doesn't hit <laughs> you know, the same. Uh, you, know what hits this, you know what hits different? My shower head when I go home. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. I mean, to be fair, most of the places I've gone to camp, there are showers that you can use. Okay, but that's not real camping, though. What right? do you mean that's not real Don't camping? Don't you have to, like, what? start a fire and, like, go to the lake and, like, bathe yourself? What like, you, with nature's what, water? What are you talking about? Why did this become purple rain, man? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, but there's different <laughs> there's different levels of camping, right? There are definitely different. You're right. You're right. So I, I guess I'm more of the inter, like the the starter kind of camping. Like okay. I, I don't really want to do that much else. Right. Um, portaging is the most ridiculous. Portaging camping is when you me. carry the thing. Yes, you you enjoy canoeing so much that you yeah. have chosen to canoe to a different lake that is not actually connected to the current body of water you're in. So you put it over your head along with all your gear and walk it over there. That's just an insane kind of thing to do, in, in my opinion. But That's... hey, portaging lovers, like, just do what you do. It, it, just to me, it just it does sound kind of silly. Like, Yeah, we love all... One leg is good enough for me. Like, I've never <laughs> finished canoeing and was like, all right, I need more. Like, No, no, this is... Um, no, shout out to all the portagers, especially those who live in the beautiful neighborhood of Liberty Village. Which we've apparently like just like ripped to yeah, shreds we're not, we're not during this in, entire we're not summer. We're safe in Liberty Village, man. Yeah, Sorry. we we can't we can't go there past um, seven p.m. I can't play soccer at XPC anymore, <laughs> man. Yeah, that's where it is. Anyways, uh, that was about it. Back, yeah. you know, was was out till you know three four in the morning on Saturday. Yeah, hang out with some friends in Montreal. Came home. What's the place? Did you go to? Came you got a steam room hot dog. What's the place called? What? Oh yeah, no, I did hit that hit that spot, the Montreal pool room. But I'm a sicko. Oh. I go there in the daytime. Oh, oh <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> Anyways, no. um, you know, I had a great night catching up with some friends, and then yeah. came back to the hotel, got packed up because I had to, you know, head to Porter via Pearson in uh-huh. the morning, and then it was it was four thirty. And it was time to turn on the the Canada Team USA game. Now, I don't know about you. Listen, I know there's a lot of excitement. I'm not trying to discredit the fact that Canada won a bronze medal. 
first in how many years for like the men's national program right? it's the first literal medal that they've ever had at the world cup slash world championships yeah. yeah so like this is like we're talking about literal history yeah but there was a part of me that was slightly let down that this wasn't for the gold medal yeah no i, I get that I, I get that feeling but i mean at the same time i, I thought that you know it, it meant something to me like mm-hmm. it meant something to me so much that on saturday night I made a plan to be in bed at 10.30, which is uh, maybe the first time I've done that on a Saturday night since I was like 12. Yeah. Did you fall asleep? Uh, no, no. It was difficult. I had to do several things to try to fall asleep. You know, <laughs> do we want to know those no, things? No, no, you don't. But uh, okay. I, I put on like an eye mask, for example, and just oh, kind of like okay. laid there for like 20 minutes. It wasn't really hidden. Uh, it wasn't until I started playing some like, you know, political podcasts that I occasionally dabble yeah. in that I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just going to fall what asleep right away. What do you listen to politically? I, I listen to like a Chinese political podcast sometimes, oh, okay. just to keep not even the political. It's just I want to just know what's happening in China. So it's not like Pod Save America type. No, vibes. no, 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 no. That would have definitely that would have worked. That would have hit different, man. Pod Save America would have fell asleep instantly. <laughs> Sorry, but no, I put on that pod for like five minutes, and they were like, you know, there's uh, all this stuff with the semiconductors and the five G chips, and I fell asleep very quickly. Oh, okay, so that was, <laughs> was useful. not interested. I'm, I'm not interested. So in your that. tip is to fall asleep, like listen to bad podcasts. You just listen to a podcast of a subject that you're like you you think you're interested in, but you know in your heart that you're truly not interested in. Mm. And yeah, you will fall asleep in five minutes. I'm gonna listen to that. So you did fall asleep. I did fall at asleep, a good time. and then I set my alarm for four fifteen a.m. I uh, woke up, already had coffee ground, so I wasn't going to wake up my partner, you know, hitting the coffee grinder in the house. Uh, mm. It is quite loud. Very thoughtful. Yeah, yeah, and then instead of using my espresso machine, I put it into a mocha pot, uh, the one where you put on the, the stovetop burner. Oh, And okay. so it makes even less noise. Yeah, very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. And yeah. then I watched the game, and I was super wow. hyped. Wow, one, so. one question before we get into yeah, the go game. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You think Monkey Sushi was open at 4? <laughs> I think last episode when we did it, like we were up by like 3 a.m. Did you check? Oh, we checked. It was closed. Okay. So uh, they do close. Front of the program, Dylan Brown also made me aware there's a monkey poke. Yes, there is a monkey so poke. So is that like yeah. a sister business? We we actually have to find out if they're like on the same org chart. How do they build it all on just off monkeys? Like that that can't be the franchise player. Yeah. Like the franchise <laughs> player isn't the, the seafood that they're Anyways, serving. Uh, it's the monkey. Raptor Show Monkey Sushi Challenge is... You know, the last few weeks where I've been walking around Toronto, I just can't stop cracking up every time I walk in, like walk past a monkey sushi. There's a lot of them. There is a lot of them. <laughs> it's like uh, monkey sushi, cannabis shows store, to the one A&W. in the annex. Uh, <laughs> shows to the one by the Eaton Center. Yeah. So if if you walk by a monkey sushi in this city, I want you to take a selfie with it and either email it to me, info at stephenlebron.com, or just tag me at stephenlebron on IG. I'm trying to collect okay. monkey sushi photos All right. across the city. Um. Yeah, so... Team Canada, USA. I mean, that was just a fun game. I know they talk about the FIBA rules and stuff, but to me, it was just like 10 NBA guys on the court just like scrimmaging. Yeah, I mean, especially in the first half when there was less defense, I thought, just overall. Um, team USA does not play defense. Yeah, They're not USA, a good defensive team. No, they don't care. That was my biggest problem with them the whole tournament was just like they looked like they weren't even willing to compete that hard defensively. And like, I mean, I don't know. Like you either send your B team and they play hard or you send your A team and let them coast. Like they look like, I don't know. They're supposed to be this gifted kid in class, but they're also not trying either, but they're not gifted either. Like it's just, to me, it bothered me. But in the first half, it did kind of feel like a very strange, like all-star game to some degree, you know? Like, it, you know what it felt like? It felt like the, the rookie rising stars challenge in a way. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's just random players and random teams tossed yeah. together. That's and my question though. that hard. That's my question but, though. Like, know. I know the bronze medal was still something that was very important yeah. for like both teams. Do you think 
the teams would have came out playing that loose style if it was a gold medal game? Or do you think it would have no. been a different game? I, I think it, they would have, like, tightened up a little bit more. I mean, okay. like, I think the States dev- came in with some defensive strategies and plans. Like, it's not like the coaches didn't plan for it. Well, it's a like, problem, too, because their head coach is, like, the third best coach on that bench. Like, Eric Spolstra is better. I would put Tyloo over Steve Kerr as well, but yeah, no, no I mean, look, and listen. also because Ty, uh, Steve Kerr once called Yao Ming a China man on a national broadcast on TNT. Right. Well, you know, he he didn't know at that time, but that that, that, that was, <laughs> was super. At random that time that was like 2005, man. This guy made it sound like he said this in 1977. Yeah, Steve Steve had, Steve had never seen a Bruce Lee movie in his life before, but uh, <laughs> no, in two in the year 2005, you cannot be referring. Yeah, and also Shaquille O'Neal not absolved too, man. Did all his Ching Chong jokes when 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 uh, Yao was in the league in his rookie year? All right, you know what? No, there was a lot. This is the time to litigate it in twenty twenty three. You know what? Right, you know what? Let's, I'm not let's gonna pack li- up Shaq. I'm not gonna lie. You, you know, you, you can go no, ahead and like, uh, put the cuffs sh- on him yourself. Shows. <laughs> First of all, he would have the cuffs because he's a literal part time cop. Oh yeah, he's a professional cop too. That's, but, that's wild. Yeah, I don't know. I've always held a little bit of a grudge towards Steve Kerr. This is the first thing I think of every time I see him. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, anyways, I, yeah. I, I mean, like. They came in with a defensive game plan, at least. Like, you know, they were like, okay. We're what was their defensive game plan? Switch. Bobby Portis's eyes? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Just stare down? Use glare? 75% should paralyze? I mean, but like, every time I saw, I mean, I rewatched the game later, too, because um, to fast dedicated. forward, I, I fell asleep. I caught the replay. I caught the replay last night. But, like, uh, Mikel Bridges was getting cooked left and right. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, who, who were their defensive guys? Well, I mean, Mikel Bridges was their defensive guy, and, like, that was supposed to be the guy they wanted to throw on Shea. Mm-hmm. But then Canada just did the smart thing, which was, okay, if you're going to switch everything, we're going to come bring over, you know, your weakest defender in Austin Reeves. And I thought if you were Steve Kerr, it's like, why not take Austin Reeves off the floor? Because it wasn't like he was generating, like, okay, he was scoring, and he always has scored in this tournament, but... It was like, if that's the main strategy, if like we're going to target one guy and it's going to be like literally the whole fourth quarter, you got to consider benching him, even if he is giving you contributions offensively, because you have other players who can score. Oh, scoring is not a problem for them. It's not like they take off Reeves and suddenly they're done. But I mean, but the counter to that for Canada's perspective was like, like, I don't know, even if Shea has to score on Mikael Bridges one on one, he could do it. And Mikael Bridges is like. A defensive level, like just all defensive player, like he is that good. He's got the length. I think you know the tricky thing for Shea to figure out, at least maybe over the course of the game, was like how much separation do I need to get from him before I can shoot? Because Bridges has this like ridiculously long kind of spindly wingspan or whatever. But you saw in the fourth quarter, like he hit the shot that should have won Canada the game in regulation as well. In the last minute, he like went one-on-one against Bridges, shot it. Bridges almost blocked it. He made the shot. And then USA bricks their shot coming back, and Dylan Brooks gets fouled, puts Canada up four. Obviously, that miracle with Bridges puts him into overtime in the first place. But Shea really hit the game-winning shot, even in regulation alone. And then even in overtime, he was still crossing him up. So no, that one where he came over to double... <laughs> And just fell. Yo, that was nuts. Man. That's not I, even your man. Yo. <laughs> he came over to help his man and took a fall. Yo, that was tough. He looked worse defensively than Austin Reeves on that play, who did fully just allow the open shot himself too. But man, oh, amazing no. man. But what was it like in the moment? And listen, I know you did a great react pod yesterday and a slander pod, mm. so I don't want to you know make you repeat yourself. But it's like you listen to that on the pod, on the plane ride home. Or oh, what, definitely. Uh, but what um. What was it like when Bridges hit that shot, though, at the end of regulation? I, I was pretty stunned. I was pretty stunned. I mean, I was also kind of, like, dazed and confused because, you know, it yeah. was 6 a.m. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, 
Like, like you potentially could have had I, your, I your bronze man. medals stripped away from you yeah. on such a fluke play. It, I mean, I, I felt terrible in the sense that, like, uh, you know, I, maybe it was, I still had a little bit of pessimism in, in me of, like, oh, my God, it's actually going wrong. And, like, USA is going to steal this in overtime. Mm-hmm. But then I think what I really just forgot a little bit in that moment, and I caught myself even before the overtime started, was just, like, okay, it's okay. We still have Shea. And... You know, like that alone is going to be better because, like, it wasn't like the states were making this comeback, and there's one guy in there that was like unstoppable. Maybe Anthony Edwards to some degree, but I felt like he was getting a lot of tough shots to drop. But over the course of the game, Shea was so determined. Um, over the course of the tournament, nobody was even coming close in terms of individual quality play like Shea. Maybe Luca, honestly, and honestly, I think Shea actually outplayed Luca over the balance of the tournament. Um, that like. I felt more comfortable in the sense that we had the best player on the floor and he was the best closer on either side by a wide margin. You know, like you saw USA kick the ball around like tons down the stretch. Oh, they turned the ball like, over like three straight possessions at the end of the two. And they were like, like stupid plays. Yeah, it, was something like, it wasn't even like we were doing yeah. anything amazing to stop them. But that's the thing, though. It's like I know you're playing the USA like on the chest and stuff, mm-hmm. but you're also playing like Austin Reeves, Bobby Portis. And like Macau Bridges, yeah, yeah, which all due respect, like that, you, you line them up against the Team Canada roster, like yeah, Team yeah. Can, like USA came in, I think it was like a six and a half point favorite, and then granted, like they some of the guys were out with a with a with an illness, non COVID illness, yeah, yeah, actually they didn't confirm it was COVID or non COVID, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, probably was, man, and but it's like to me, like that's that was a toss up if you're just looking at the rosters, like Team Canada has the best player, um, and I mean. If you were to just to look at the FIBA version of Dylan Brooks, like Team Canada has like the top backcourt with two of the best players in the whole tournament. Yeah, I thought Dylan Brooks actually got snubbed a little bit. I think he should have made one of the two how all did tournament he, teams. How did he not make it? Well, like, he I didn't really shocked. like score much in the first like three games or so. Like he was intentionally not taking shots and stuff like that because he was trying to. Yeah, allow other but players his performance to to against over. Spain. Yeah, and this performance alone, like I think in a medal game, yeah, should have been enough to vault you. I agree. I agree pass like any of those even guys. the game against Serbia he played really well too but um I, I think yeah I mean he got, he got a little bit snubbed but yeah I, mean, I agree with you like we we did and to make it a chess comparison if this were like towards the end game like Canada had still had their queen which was Shea he literally could do anything he wanted on the chessboard mm. right Dylan Brooks was playing to the level where it felt like we had a second queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the pawn had walked all the way yeah, across. Yeah, the we board. had crossed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we had another queen. No, on the, he had on the crossed board. from getting kicked out of Memphis yeah. to Manila and then became a queen. Yeah. And then yeah. meanwhile, like who was USA's biggest threat? Like it didn't feel like Anthony Edwards was even getting the ball that much. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like they just had like a bunch of rooks. They, they weren't even rooks, man. They, You're not they, even giving up the rooks? They had some, like, bishops, maybe. Yeah. Like, maybe. Maybe they had some bishops. They were all going diagonally, like, the passes. What's, what's the piece on the board that just stares at you? That's Bobby Portis. <laughs> Yo. Oh, anyways, oh. like, you know, I was asking you earlier about, like, the gold versus bronze, like, mm. difference, but... Like I felt that, but also like I also felt the joy, obviously, yeah, of yeah. seeing what it means. I, it felt like we were playing for this more country, for, pride, for this country, for this program, yeah. and like not to like romanticize it, but it's like I came back to Toronto yesterday and I noticed like just walking around downtown, I just noticed a lot of people like different ages carrying their basketball, like heading to a basketball court, mm. and I was thinking too, I was like, man, people must have been hyped just like seeing this stuff. Like this stuff has a has a influence too, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, like yeah. Canada's yeah, sure. on the map now. It's like. We came into this tournament like wondering if they were finally gonna like get all the monkey off their back. Um, mm. Shout out to Monkey Sushi, <laughs> and yo, that should be a sponsor. It's like tonight's monkey off the back. 
Sponsored by Monkey Poke. Uh, monkey Poke. Oh my goodness. Man. Anyways. When will it end, man? When will it end? No, we need donkey sushi. <laughs> That's what we need. But like we came uh, in with all these questions, right? Yeah. And I still think about like what Dylan didn't get called for that second unsportsmanlike foul in the fourth quarter against Spain mm, when he like yeah, yeah, accidentally yeah. swiped. Um, I think it was my guy, Santi Aldama. It was, yeah. And if that, if Dylan Brooks gets kicked out there in the fourth quarter, I don't think Canada wins. And then I don't think Canada qualifies for the Olympics and we're back to square one having the same conversations. Yeah. But for them to overcome that Spain game, make multiple comebacks in the second half, you never see, you've never seen that in your lifetime no, from no. the national program. And even for them to bounce back from that Macau Bridges shot mm-hmm. yesterday, like yeah. that is something that's classically drawn up for Canada to end their tournament in disappointment. Yeah. yeah. And for Shea, like you mentioned, Shea comes out right in overtime, hits the shot. They set the tone right away, right? Like they yeah. retake control of the game. It was never a question. And to me, it's like, you come out of this just feeling so good. Cause it's like, I think we found out from the FIBA tournament too, that like, the world, like, the talent pool is just so loaded, right? Mm-hmm. Like, on any given, I think you put, like, eight eight of these teams out there, and it's a toss-up. Like, you really don't know who's going to win in, in a one-game scenario. But now Canada's gotten themselves into that conversation. Because, like, the Olympics is going to be hard, man. Like, all yeah. these teams are going to be there. And, like, reported today, um, you know, our guy Shams reported that LeBron is recruiting, like, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, yeah, and yeah, everybody he, for a last dance. It's like, okay, I'm so glad we got this bronze medal LeBron's out of the way. so annoying because now it's all about LeBron. You know, like, oh, of King course. Losers, it's about LeBron. Yeah. He's going to save the team. And it's like, I, I get it. I appreciate it. Like, I, I really do. Like, I, that's what I want to is for to see the best players play in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Like, in the Olympics, I want everyone to show up. I want, I want every country to bring everybody just so that we don't have to hear, like, Oh, you beat us, but we didn't have this guy. Yeah, it's we only like, had one Bogdanovich. That's so yeah. lame. It's like you know, well, for, well technically he, they did have two. His name, his name is Bogdan Bogdanovich. God given, God given, which is uh, just a sick Yo, name when hard, you think man. about it. Um, that's like a Tupac album. Yeah, well, damn. Um, yeah. But like, <laughs> nah, he too bog from now on. <laughs> no, man, too bog Shakur. Uh, anyway, uh, no one's ever said that. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like. I want them to bring everybody, but at the same time, this whole thing of like, oh, LeBron orchestrated all this, and like LeBron's already spoken to this guy and this guy and this guy, and yeah. like, and the day after the thing is over, it's just like it, somehow the storylines became about LeBron again. Yeah, like, we can't even have one day of being like Team USA sucked, or or like you know like here's some failures, here's like celebrating some international teams or whatever. It's just like after the the, the Nuggets swept. You know the Lakers. He was like, "Yeah, actually, I'm 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 a retire." Yeah, I respected that. I respected you know I mean? that like, move, though. It's just like, yo, putting that spotlight right back on yourself. What is this succession? We gotta like spin. We gotta <laughs> no, spin so, the narrative. Gotta control the narrative. Control you, the narrative. You're saying the 2024 like, Team USA Olympic team is gonna be like produced by Spring Hill Entertainment, and you know it's gonna be a huge documentary. Like that's what that's the that's the opportunity they're going for. It's not just like yeah. the opportunity to like restore USA's place in mm-hmm. global order or whatever. And listen, man, like like listen, that's a scary piece, that's a scary roster to think about no, clearly it is, it is but i want to see it though. but but hey if if team tana gets into a one game against the u.s like sure, yeah i'll take my chances they're not going to be favored like team canada is not no, going to be favored no, no team's gonna be favored but against i don't actual think USA. i just don't think team usa even with all that talent is a team where you have this like where they have this like one edge on the court that they can just absolutely say that they're they're gonna win the game like there's there are ways to beat team usa even with that loaded roster there just is in a yeah, one game no, matchup. I, I agree with you i agree with right you. I mean, so, first off, they're going to be an older team, yeah. right? Like, it seems like they're going to grab, like, all the older members mm-hmm. and put it together. 
I also think that like it's not just like like for example we're in a backup studio we're watching baseball apparently the, the Braves are up 5-2 over the Phillies yeah great um, great podcasting who, yeah. who's who's on who's on who's here to hit is that Bryce Harper that's not Bryce that's Harper. definitely not Bryce Harper okay all right yeah. sorry that's probably it's uh, Alec Bong <laughs> is he gonna hit a bomb Alec. I'm pretty sure I did not pronounce his name right <laughs> what all right <laughs> yeah well, anyways I got two RBI but my point is like if you're putting together a baseball team yeah. and you just put together all the best hitters yeah that team's probably gonna slap because it's like you have yeah. everybody who's going to be. You're saying play there's only ball. one ball. No, but like it, there has to be some sort of additive effect, and I think that mm-hmm. was one of the weaknesses of Team USA. It was just like there was not enough guys who committed themselves to defense or were sacrificing. There was mm-hmm. no regular order you saw yep. with the group, right? I mean, it, it'll just be like, all right, Jalen Brunson's taking over for a while, and then <laughs> which he never did. Which he never really did. He just yeah. took a lot of contested shots. Yeah, but it was like, all right, Jalen Brunson's going to take over for a while, and then Anthony Edwards is going to take over for a while, and then like you know, whoever's coming off the bench will take over for like Austin Reeves time. It just didn't really feel like there was like a respected hierarchy. Like even like Canada, for example, it, it felt very clear to me. Like mm-hmm. Shea obviously was number one. Right. Um, and depending on how the rest of the game was going, it was either going to be RJ left open or Dylan left open. Those guys would be there as well. Uh, if you needed to, you know, depending on how they were stopping the perimeter attack, which rarely they did stop Shea, but if they did, you can bring in Kelly to sort of like reorient your offense a little bit, play through the post and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it felt to me, and then everyone else was kind of there to like defend and grind, and you saw this like cohesion, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't totally see that. And if USA brings all these stars, I mean, it's it's one of those age old problems where it's like you can't just put together random stars mm-hmm. and have them like really gel and and you know they have to really sacrifice. But I mean, at the same time, I I, I talent wise, it's going to be awesome. Um, no, they'll be I, a I clear favorite, it. but I don't think it'll be one of those situations where it's like people always reference like ninety two dream team. Like it's this just not going to be one of those scenarios where you expect them to just like cakewalk all the way to like the gold medal. Well, I just think that like this is this point's been made, and I credit Steve Kerr for it because I think he's been very humble about it, it. But it's like it, he he's right. Like it's it's not nineteen ninety two anymore, and in the sense that like other countries have really caught up yeah. and really developed good programs. You know, yeah. like Germany has a really good team. I think that's a beautiful thing about FIBA Serbia too. Serbia has always had a really good It's like team, when I look at know. Germany, when I look at FIBA, obviously the few NBA players jump out at you. Yeah. But like when you watch them play, like it really speaks to like all the things you talked about, like the continuity, the cohesion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful thing that in the FIBA format, in this tournament format, when you're only playing like eight games together to like win it all, like that stuff is so much more important. Yeah. Than say like in the NBA or whatever. It is, it is. But at the same time, I don't, I don't really see why the NBA couldn't incorporate many of those elements. You know what I mean? Like for example, one of the because <laughs> common... uh, superstars are moving teams every three months. Well, that part of that. <laughs> but I also think it's like, yo, like for example, in the NBA, right? Switching yeah. has become so popular. Sure. Right? Switching is the biggest thing. All we saw all throughout the tournament was how teams had different ways to attack switching. Right. And like tactically, how are how are not like every team in the in, in the tournament, every team in the in the league, right? It should be taking notes from how they played in the tournament in mm-hmm. terms of how to attack switches. Okay. You know what I mean? Like th- those are things that opportunity wise, like you can learn a lot from this European game. Like the FIBA game is not some sort of like magical thing you can't access. Like you can mm-hmm. watch the film, you can try to play like them. Yeah. And I think it, it'll, especially for teams like Canada and, 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 and us, because, because, you know, there are the teams with the most NBA players. Like there is probably the most benefit to come out of like studying how they play to some degree. Um, I don't know. Some of the other things it's harder to replicate. Like even watching Serbia, for example, like they were just so physical against Canada. And I was just very impressed with like how much guys were willing to put an effort wise. Yeah. And I'm never going to say like Canada didn't play hard or anything like that. I just thought that Serbia was able to play at a level that was much harder and Mm -hmm. much higher than Canada was in that matchup in the semifinals. So I want to see how that is accessed by both USA and Canada. But 
Yeah, I think that's the yeah. other thing you gotta love about Canada going to next year. Like, assuming all the commitments are still there from like the main guys on this team, and thinking guys about are healthy, yeah, health. Yeah. Like thinking about you know, you know, obviously the big ads like a Jamal Murray. It's like the core group, this group right here. Like this tournament will do wonders for them. Like next year, right? Mm -hmm. Like they already have that cohesion. They understand their role, and like now, like Jordy um, can like have more time next summer. To, to really not just like introduce himself to like this team, but sure. continue adding things to it, right? Yeah. So like, it was disappointing. Like for me, I think you think about like, they really had a realistic shot of the gold medal. Oh, but they did, yeah. I mean, they, you know they can compete with Germany. They played them twice yeah. very closely in the in the lead up. Or even thinking about like, if the US had somehow gone to the finals, like you could see, you like they sure. proved it yeah, yesterday yeah, yeah. that they yeah, would have beat, they could have beaten the US like yeah. at the highest level. So there's just a slight disappointment there, but also overall coming out of it, just like really proud of the oh, team, yeah, yeah. right? Like, For sure. Well, I mean, they, they qualify for the Olympics. That's already historic. Mm -hmm. They get the they get the bronze medal. That's historic. And I think you know at this point, it's just thinking about how they're going to be going forward. So yeah, I mean, it's like, just I don't even know how the Olympic draws work, but like, man, I could easily seeing them like there's going to be some tough groups, right? Yeah, like there's going to be some tough groups. So they're going to need some luck too. I think if they want a medal, for sure, for sure, like, and 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 that's always going to be part of it. But I also think that like yeah, I mean, who who is the upgrade in talent that we're going to get in all of this? You know what I mean? Because like we already have. So Jokic goes to uh, for Serbia, you would assume. No, that that part I understand, yeah. but I mean from from the Canada. Oh, you mean from Canada? I mean Jamal's really the only one that jumps out to me. What about Wiggins? Oh yeah, but I mean, and, and here's the thing, I I agree. Like for me yeah. personally, my personal preference on this is just like the three year commitment doesn't matter as much to me if these guys are willing to come compete mm -hmm. and they're willing to give their all for the program. I don't. I'm not going to say no to more talent. Yeah. Um. But Especially I, concerning Canada really only felt like they had seven guys that they could play. So you make yeah. that nine guys, you're already looking better. However, even things like the starting lineup, for example, if you put in Jamal Murray, are you benching Dylan Brooks? Yeah, that's a tough thing. That's a tough call. It, it, like, obviously, in, in general, Jamal Murray is a way better player and he's more accomplished than, than Dylan Brooks. But at the same time, I'm like, well... He's, he's also just earned it, earned his he spot earned here. It. Yeah. That much. And his his style of play actually yeah. fits really well in the sense that you need a defender alongside of Shea. So you take some of the defensive workload off of him. And Dylan Brooks doesn't hold the ball yeah. the way Jamal would. Hey, or maybe you go smaller. I don't know. Where does RJ fit in if everyone's there and stuff? Well, yeah. Well, I'm, benching RJ, I think, is a little tougher just because, you know, his, his, dad, Politics? his dad is the GM. <laughs> but listen, man, you want to please Rowan Barrett or you want to be standing on the no, podium? You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Right. Like, like I, I think Wiggins, I, Wiggins to me would instantly upgrade on the RJ. But I think like me. straight up, like for the Team Canada program and like, listen, every program has like its politics, but you got to set that stuff aside if you have yeah. this much talent there. That's where it's a little tricky to me, too, because again, it's like, all right, so he's going to start pouting like Brandon Ingram was pouting on Team USA. Well, I mean, it's not it's not necessarily <laughs> like out of the question, right? Like it yeah. really isn't. Right? But at the same time, I think it's also difficult because RJ has consistently shown up and appeared like he was at the qualifying tournament sure. in Victoria. He was at this run. He's been at the forefront of this. He's he, he obviously had the very memorable like you. Yeah. Uh, 19, I think, 18, U18 yeah. tournament, U17, one of those tournaments where he beat USA this as well. just listed every teenage age. Yeah, like one, one of those ages, you know, it's fine. Uh, I was at one, you were, we, both of us were at Wonderland that day, actually. Oh, I remember, no. I remember following that game along on my phone uh, while we were waiting for rides. But like, he's consistently jumped to the program, whereas I think yeah. the thing with Wiggins is like, he's sort of been in and out for whatever reasons. So it's a little bit difficult to be like, all right, this guy's going to play now. You're going to go to the bench, even though you've mm. been one of our most like dedicated performers as well. No, I think I think so, that's completely fair. But, yeah. you know, my counter is uh, Andrew Wiggins tweeted out three Canadian flag emojis. Yeah. You know, that's commitment. Well, my counter is like on the court. I that's three-year commitment to me. Man. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, I hear you though. It's like it's kind of weird because like the, all those perimeter guys kind of fill a similar role. So like I wish they were bringing in like a, a really skilled like big or something like yeah. like another like skill set. Well, I would love Trey Lyles, for example, mm. to come on the team. I think his three point shooting and yeah. his size. But um, do you like? Do you think it's enough? Like what Powell and Olenek bring to the table? No, as no, a duo, no, okay, no, and, and I think that's clearly one of the weaker spots. And I yeah. think you know, and you I love those that. two guys. I love, I just love like sentimentally how much I they've agree. like been there for the program. But I get it, yeah, I get it, I get it. I, I agree. But listen, like they're still going to be on the team. I'm not trying to take them off the team. But like, like but you would like a Trey Lyles, like some, some different skill set. I, I think that I would like some depth too because yeah. maybe Zach Eady can really transform this one year. Oh, <laughs> it man. would be amazing. I didn't see Zach Eady open his mouth once. He was just always <laughs> silent. Like just also respect to Eady never wearing a warm up on the bench. He was always ready <laughs> to come in. Uh, a theory here, you might need to ask Moad or someone, like, did they not have his warm-up size? Because I don't think he had warm-up gear. They didn't have 10XL? Like, he was always rolling out just in the jersey, and I'm always like, every time they cut back, he's standing next to Jordy. I'm like, oh my god, they're checking him in. No, that, that, wow. No, I, I did not make that observation yeah. in all my hours of yeah, watching you don't, Yeah, you don't know ball, bro. I don't, I don't know ball you like don't know that. Ball. That's crazy. Yeah. No, but, like, I, I feel like, okay, it'd be great long-term if ED can even next year, if Edie can really like pick up things, like increase his foot speed, because that to me the issue was, okay, they're obviously going to play him and drop mm-hmm. um, to allow him to protect the basket and, and keep him away from quicker guards. But the issue was, even him playing in drop, guards were still getting downhill and turning the corner on him, even though he was already giving them three, four steps so that he can then catch up to them. Yeah, he was so slow relative to that that guards were still able to get downhill for layups yep. when he was doing that. And that's what limited his minutes. Um, well, you just can't afford to have what happened yesterday in like a huge game at the Olympics where like us goes on like, sure. what, like a, yeah. like a 16 two run in the, like the two no, minutes in, that he's out there. Right? Yo, two minutes. He was literally my minus 15 out there. Right. And and that's not entirely yeah. on him. Plus he doesn't have enough of, I think like an offensive skill set where you can actually take advantage on sure. the other end too. Right. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, I, offensively, I don't, I'm not worried as much just because you can definitely get the ball inside to him and he mm-hmm. can probably draw a double team or I feel pretty confident in him scoring yeah. most time. I think we're asking too but, much of him. Like at this point, no, in I his agree. Career. we're talking about a child, like he, yeah. we're not a child, but he's, he's like 20 years old, right? Like yeah. it's, it is what it is. I'm not going to expect the world. Out of, but out that's of the type of player, like an Proved big like that that would be like yeah. huge because like you think beyond just the usa matchup like all these other like international bigs that they're probably going to run into yeah so yeah i mean you would ideally have them with size but i just wanted some depth as well okay. and i also think that like you know even this year for example you saw jordy's preferred go-to move was like we're gonna we're gonna bench one of the bigs yeah they like, like to they go small up kelly yeah. and and uh and um, Dwight Powell quite a bit. And they went smaller with Lou Dort as one of the groups. Like, if you went, instead of Lou Dort, it was Andrew Wiggins out there who's still providing you great defense, yeah. but another uh, really good rebounder, which I think yeah. is important for Canada. Wiggins it, is a really good rebounder and a good three-point shooter. Yeah. It like, is kind of a Wiggins or RJ thing if they're both there. Like, I find it hard they're going to be able to find, like, the touches and, like, the role usage Well, I mean, assuming, everyone. Assuming Jamal and Wiggins are both saying yes, which would be, like, you know, again, like we're talking about a year from now, but let's just yeah. assume they're both saying yes, right? Like you have Shea, RJ, Dylan Brooks, Jamal Murray, Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins. You can't play all five as a starting five. That's just too small. Yeah. 
So you have to bench one of those guys. Yeah. And on paper, you're like, well, you bench Dylan Brooks, but not based on what he based on what he did at this. No, tournament, I would still. Want, I need Dylan I need in the Dylan starting, starting lineup. lineup. Yeah. yeah. So same. Me too. So then you take him off the table. So who's gonna take that bench role? Is it gonna be RJ? And if you're gonna really bench RJ for one of those other guys, that's just you like, better start that conversation with Rowan early. <laughs> man. Well, I mean, you could technically tell his dad to to, to deliver the news. That that. <laughs> Imagine your dad benches you. That's tough, man. Let me tell you, I got a call from Rome while I was an OVO show here. <laughs> Have you heard this story? You don't want to hear it? All right, I'll no, tell no, you no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, what, it's all good, story? man. What's the story? What's the story? No, so remember, okay, you were talking about the Wonderland thing, right? Yeah. Um. So it was around that time uh, RJ like had led the um the one of those Team Canada squads. Yeah, I remember. It was literally to, the same day. They won the tournament, they right? They beat Kevin Herter's USA. Yeah, and then and then it, it was this was during the summertime, and they were having something at the Goldring Center at University of Toronto. Okay. Um, it was one of those like OVO runs. I think it was the one where Stanley Johnson, or maybe before that, mm, Stanimal might have dropped eighty six there. But RJ was there, and Slam um, asked me to just do a quick story on him because of okay. what he did at the tournament. But you were at Wonderland? No, oh. no, no, it was like a separate <laughs> uh, day. So okay. then I did the interview, but then Rowan was there too because uh-huh. Rowan was like super protective of of yeah, RJ at the yeah. time, right? I mean, making he's, sure, he's, he's and he t- had to be like making a, sure he was in high school. At the point, so yeah. I interviewed Rowan as well, like yeah. for the story. And I think Rowan just said, he didn't say anything like bad, but he like, he like made a couple of like analogies and stuff. Um, I forgot what it was, so I don't want to misquote it. But like, um, then a couple of days later, I'm at the OVO show watching Drake at mm. like uh, whatever Budweiser stage. And I get a call as Drake's like doing like, I don't know, like over or something. <laughs> it's like 930. Like I'm having the time of my life. I last already, name ever. I, yeah. First name greatest. First name, last name Barrett. First name <laughs> Rowan showed up on my phone. And like I had already found my story. So I like had to step aside and like take this call from Rowan. Nah, that's actually kind of sick. Though. And he just wanted me to take out a quote. Like oh, he okay, didn't yeah, want yeah. something to be misquoted. Because I think he at was the time about it like a, a couple days later. Yeah. So oh, then we managed to get the quote. But but that's the thing too, too. Like at the time as he was going to Duke and stuff, mm. like you wanted like you had to play it like really safe, no, like course, not make sure and stuff. That's, so that's that's, totally that's my Rowan Barrett OVO oh, story. Okay. All right. That's pretty hilarious. You probably he's probably like, wow, this guy's such a big deal, man. <laughs> That's so funny. He coming out to cover our team and then he going to OVO fest. Yeah, he go to OVO. (laughs) And here to tell the story years later. Another another Alex Wojnarowski exclusive. Wow. Uh, we need to keep track of the Wojner, the Alex Wojnarowski exclusives. No, I, I, number I, one, Serge was gonna show up at the WNBA game oh, in yeah, Toronto. Yeah. You should have told me about that, that seventy two hours before. <laughs> That is better because one of the last episodes I did, you were like, Andy Lou got engaged. And I'm like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a little worse. No Yo, we need to keep track of the things that we brag about, man. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of these uh, things we don't actually need to brag about. But anyways, listen, team, I mean, team Canada. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that most of the same group will be back, though. Like, And I, and I really want to see how they do. Like, I really like seeing what the order of things look like. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what Dylan did, I mean, we know that that was more of a one-off in the sense that he's not going to be scoring 39 points a game. Um, but I, I think that... That is where, you know, you look at games like the one they lost against Serbia. They didn't have a secondary score that was consistent when they were throwing those double, triple teams at Shea. We know Shea is so good that he's going to consistently draw that. Mm -hmm. So that's where we need other guys to sort of be able to step up and play. Um, The issue with that is, are are those type of players, whoever's going to be that secondary option, and ideally is Jamal, is he going to be able to succeed not touching the ball that much? Because it's mostly going to be in Shea's hands. Mm-hmm. Because he is that good, are they going to be able to adjust their games? Because I was a little sympathetic to 
you know, like RJ, for example, I'm like, all right, he's not even touching the ball that often. So when he touches the ball, I'm expecting him to always score. I mean, granted, he's in open opportunities, but that's not typically always how he plays for the Knicks. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big adjustment for Jamal. But, I, I mean, I think our hierarchy is pretty clearly set, you know, and with Shea and Dylan at the top of it, too. Like, um, even obviously Dylan is not going to be your number two option all the time. But even having those two guys setting the tone for the program as young vets in addition to the actual older vets. We're just in a really good spot. We're just really blessed, man. So, um, yeah, feeling, feeling, feeling great with this bronze. Yeah, know? no, it's great. Imagine man. we lost the USA in that fashion too. Honestly, like, it would have been tough. It would have been really tough knowing that you let you haven't meddled like ever, right? The, at, at FIBA, yeah. Like, and the USA wouldn't even cared. They would have just been like, all right, cool. Well, that's the thing. Like I was it, watching, it, it mattered way more to us than it did to them. Well, I'm it's not crazy because like I was watching, I was watching a bit of um, Germany and Serbia. Oh, wow, damn. Uh, and, I didn't know you got so much into the World Cup, man. And seeing like seeing just the emotions of both sides. Yeah, yeah. When the game ended, that like was awesome, our man. guy like Gordy Herbert. Oh, him no just no relation to over, James sitting sitting down. Yeah, I thought he was having a panic attack. Um, yeah. but wow. I guess just happiness. No, he he's he doing the breathing <laughs> techniques, man. Because I was like, this looks familiar. He's doing um, the grounding techniques, man. But yeah. like just seeing all the players in tears, like even my guy, uh, the Pacific Mall MVP Nikola Jovic. Mm. Like and he played bad in the last quarter. Yeah, man. he and, took some bad shots. And seeing how happy the guys were on Germany, it's like, you know, there's all there's all that stupid debate a few weeks ago because one of the track runners in the U.S. like was like saying that oh when you win the NBA you title, mean, the, the it's not the national the championship. Meter world man, I respect Donovan Bailey. All right, okay, yeah. all anybody right. else after not not important. But, oh, that's fair. That's fair. No, but all this debate about like what does a world championship mean? What does an mm-hmm. NBA championship mean? Like for these international countries, especially for the guys on the team, like this is the highest stage they'll ever compete at. That, are, that don't play in the NBA, right? Like, like this is like the monumental moment of their career. Yeah. Whereas for Team USA, like you mentioned, and honestly, to some extent, Team Canada, like a lot of these guys, like there will be disappointment in not winning, but it's just not at the same level. It, you know, it's it's just weird. It's just not the same joy when you're just expected to win. Yeah. And like when you win, you just feel relief. Well, that Team you USA looks miserable. Yeah. Like they, they just did. look miserable in winning and in losing. Yeah. And like, and that's to me was like I think that informed part of their play, but. Mm-hmm. Like when you set the expectations that high, like it just makes it so hard to actually enjoy it. Yeah. And like, I'm not saying that USA is going to come in and pretend to be like, oh, we're just this humble little nation, you know, and we're going to bring in these players that you never heard of. No, like, they should have brought in even like lesser players. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, thinking, like true underdog I, team. Because they were kept talking about like, oh, these teams don't have any continuity. I'm like, all right. What if, what if they just brought the Miami Heat? Because <laughs> here's the thing with the Miami Heat. Most yeah. of their key players are Americans. Yeah. First of all, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Bam, first, of, yeah, Jimmy, first of all, I think Kyle, Jimmy, Jimmy busy. Tyler just Hero? Yeah, Jimmy would just want to play in the U S open. Yeah, Tyler, he definitely would rather Tyler Hero's sitting out. Tyler Hero's sitting out. Cause he's like, you got me dangled up in a trade rumor for six months <laughs> where I have to delete all my locations on my social profiles. So the chemistry on Miami would be pretty bad. No, I mean, or just, yo, just bring the Knicks. I guess like without no. RJ. I mean, they already <laughs> no, had they already gotta, had Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart there. We already got standards, man. Yeah. What's Isaiah Hardstein saying? What's his nationality? He might probably be a part German. I mean, that's just based okay, on the name. Okay, I mean, okay, like, okay. He might have switched sides in the, right, in the right. semifinal. No, I, I I hear you though. Like the chemistry, all that stuff. Um, there's a phone ringing right now in here, which we're just gonna ignore. No, we're gonna ignore. I don't want to disrupt the the programming. Yeah, here. it's not as bad as the uh, as the CNE uh, warplanes flying around yeah, that was downtown tough, Toronto. That was tough, man. All right, first time stamp. Hotting from Dresden, man. First time stamp, please yeah. of of the show. So we're moving on to the ye old mailbag. Oh yeah. That Doug Smith 
um, you know, got into answered some questions over the weekend. Right, we did this on a previous listener. episode. Yeah, where... received some <laughs> pretty good feedback okay, on it. Right. People were interested. Um, enough people were interested. So there's a lot of FIBA talk around here. So I figured this would be a good way for us to kind of wrap up. Let's do it. Our FIBA conversation. So first question, Doug, do you think it makes sense or is it fair that a national basketball team from each of Oceania, Africa, and Asia automatically qualifies for the Olympics? I think you could probably find five teams from the Americas or Europe that are better than the leading teams from each of those regions. If the Olympic basketball tournament is limited to 12 teams, they should be the 12 best national teams, not the best from each region, some of which are extremely weak. Yeah, I, I mean, who's that from? Uh, it is from David. There's no like. Oh, uh, you were hoping for more detail. Yeah. You're trying to play a basketball <laughs> reference here. There's no race card for you. Is what I, uh, I know. Yeah, I, I know I, what I, you're I asking I, for. I think I could probably. Oh, guess. I know what you're uh, asking for. <laughs> Trust me. It's okay, David. Yeah. All right. Fair. Um, look, I, I I understand what they're trying to come at in the sense that, like, you know, um, for example, let's see who didn't qualify. There's Spain. Spain's a very mm-hmm. very good basketball team. If you told me Spain played. You know, yeah. South Sudan in a best of seven, yeah. I would take Spain. Yeah, or right? Japan qualified. Or, or they played Japan in a best mm-hmm. of seven. They'd probably beat Japan in a best they, they, they definitely beat Japan in a best of seven. But Chelsea Takashi. Chelsea Takashi, man. But he, he might only cover four of those games. You know what I mean? But like at the same time, I, I just don't think that that's the spirit of the Olympics. You know, and I think that once you have the ability to qualify or compete um, in, in your qualification sort of like format, I mean, like you, you have your chance as well. It's not like you don't have a sh- a shot at competing. You maybe have less like of a relative shot in the sense that like the best team from Asia is going to have an easier time qualifying. Um, like Japan, for example, didn't make it through the group stages, but they went into the next tournament, uh, like the consolation bracket, and they made it through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, as long as these teams have chances to compete, or they have these wild cards, where like it's probably going to end up looking like there's going to be multiple teams, just than just the two. Um, European teams that are going to be at the World Cup. There's like four more wild cards to be, to be won here. So as long as they have the like ability to, to still qualify through, I mean, basically, if you just win, you, you if, like you Germany for example, they're not going to complain about how the Olympic qualifying you know format is. They've won their games, and so they took care of business. As long as you take care of business, you can still get through. Um, like again, I, I hear it because I you know if you want the Olympics just to be the 12 best teams, they're not just going to be the 12 best teams, but I mean, that's the that's the spirit of the Olympics. Like, you want all the best countries to be there, and the best athletes to be there. And you know, I mean, at at some points, you know, that's just part of the the actual comp- the spirit of the competition. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's and supposed I think to be this global thing. Yeah, that's the last thing. Is like, I think it's about promoting the sport globally as well, right? And to be able to have players coming through from these different regions. Like, I think South Sudan is a is a really good. Example, um, you know, my guy, Brian Windhorse, my Ding Typhoon brother um, mm. from ESPN, you know, was following South Sudan's run at, at the FIBA World Cup and wrote a great feature at ESPN. That was really good. About how like Lul Dang basically bankrolled that program because yep. they had gone through a lot of stuff, um, I guess, like, you know, politically and all that a, stuff. Yeah, right? civil war. And yeah, then civil split, war. And then, you know. So they only really started this program, I think, the last few years building yeah. it up. And then Royal Ivy, um, who have been a classic basketball reference game uh, person, oh, yeah. um, sick, was uh, was a coach. It was the head coach. His, his assistant coaching history <laughs> yeah. as well. You're like assistant coach with the OKC Thunder, yeah. coached yeah. with Darko Rajakovic. Showed up to the Rico Hines run 2015. Um, like, 
like he was the head coach of this team and like uh, they were practicing on like outdoor courts yeah. like as as recently as like last year and to be able to see that team like now as one of 12 teams going to the Olympics it's like if you change the format and make it like I don't know some like exclusive Champions League thing where like the same like 12 best nations usually make it regardless of where they're from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then I think you take away from this too right and you think about you take away from the power of like being able to grow the game of basketball in like a place like South Sudan or you think about yeah. like all the stuff Masai's trying to do with like Giants of Africa. I think it all ties into the same thing, right? Like there's a lot of bad things about the Olympics, but like setting these formats this way, giving the opportunities for these teams to be able to qualify, like gives them the opportunity to really like grow and develop like a next generation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, the part that's interesting to me is so Oceania gets the spot, which I'm like, all right, that's, you know, whatever. Like I, I like mm. seeing Australia at the Olympics, for example, yeah. but like, you like there's, seeing there's like three countries competing for it, <laughs> you man. You like seeing but, Matthew Delavanova Del- Del- try to put your star player in a figure four? <laughs> I love that. Man. That's what he was all about. But no, but seriously, like... Uh, that, Maybe they could do the that's groupings. That's a little bit tougher to me. Because like, even if you think yeah. about like population, like Asia gets one spot, and Asia has like... No, I hear 2. you. 2.5 billion people. There's probably better ways Africa to do it. Africa has like 1.5 yeah. billion people. But or to maybe just 2 do 12 people, best teams... Would, one? Yeah, but to just do 12 best teams would also be too extreme. Like regard, like stripping away all the regions. Yeah, I mean, I look. I, I'm just saying. Like, I, I just think that like this, this stuff is cyclical too. Sure. You know, what I mean, like, yeah, maybe this year around, it's like, okay, you know, we don't have like a- as much of a talent distribution, but I, I think maybe in ten years we see something completely different. You yeah. know what I mean? All right. Next question from Carrie. Two part question. All right. Number one, wouldn't you agree that playing in this FIBA tournament is making these Canadian players better? I do wish that someone from the Raptors was playing for Canada's team. Um, I mean, I I mean, who who on the Raptors is still was even Co- Canadian? Bush, it's just Boucher. Was Chris Boucher at the last the qualifying tournament? I don't remember Chris Boucher playing for Team Canada at, at yeah, I'm trying many to think. times at all, quite okay. honestly. Okay. Um, but I think yeah, I mean, I I do agree that like this is good for them. Like in terms of off season training, all that kind of stuff. Like there's stuff that people do in terms of staying fit, in terms of like working on their individual skill set, but competing at, at a level where you have these like must win games and Canada played what four straight like winner go home kind of games. Yeah. Like that. How does that not improve your game? Listen, you know who, you know who on the Raptors was killing it? Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I mean, yeah, well, shouts to Dennis Schroeder, by the way, man, he was, he was excellent. I mean, we definitely got to figure out how to say his name. Um, yeah. Properly. Let's, I just, let's I have just a ask hard him. time pronouncing. Well, I already literally asked Schro- Schro- Schroeder. <laughs> It's like Schroeder. Schroeder. Okay. Schroeder. I do want to be respectful. Yeah, I'm. I have. I'm I don't a respectful have like the. I don't have the embouchure to 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 say the, to pronounce an umlaut properly, but I will yeah. work on it over the course because I think it's important. But um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. We just also haven't had great Canadians. I think my bigger thing is can we get some of the better Canadian players on right on the Raptors roster, and not yeah. just because they're Canadian, but I I, I do want to see like. That is the one advantage we have. I say this all the time. That's the one advantage we have. And our Canadians were Chris, you know, Ken Birch, and Delano Banton. And with all due respect, like, none of them even would get into the team currently. Maybe Chris. Maybe. Like, I wouldn't mind Chris as, like, one of your depth, like, bench bigs, I guess. But even his game is not very conducive to FIBA play, I actually don't think. Yeah. Uh, Second part of this question. Don't you love these FIBA refs? They're fast. They're impartial. And they don't take guff from anybody. Reputation be damned. I mean, it is a different set of like refereeing, refereeing. Because like, I even think back to like, well, obviously like Luca getting tossed in that Slovenia game. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, we know from watching Luca in the NBA, like this is just the running like relationship he has with refs. Yeah. In game, 
I don't think I've ever watched one single NBA game where any of those veteran refs would kick them out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, for complaining for another call. Yeah. So like for me, but did you love it when uh when when Scotty got ejected from the game by Scott Foster? Oh yeah, well, it's basically the same thing. Yeah, but I'm not saying I, I do think there is a part to like a like a don't give enough to like these FIBA refs though, like right. like kicking out Luca. Well, I think one, it was like a big ballsy move. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I think one of the things that um, I'm maybe I, I'm thinking about in terms of the differences is like the NBA players have relationships with the NBA refs. Right. They've been refereed by them probably a dozen times per season every year, and then if they make it deeper in the playoffs, they're probably seeing the same refs over and over again. Mm-hmm. So the players have relationships with the officials. Some mo- sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative, but like they have that built-in rapport, and they can just sort of build on top of that how many of these nba players or these FIBA players actually know these FIBA refs yeah i mean i know that one ref now he was refing yesterday's bronze yeah. game too <laughs> i was like why is he in every game in the game <laughs> he's <laughs> the one that jordy was like i'm not talking to you anymore <laughs> you're terrible <laughs> I was like, Jordy, chill. You might see him in the bronze medal game. <laughs> no, were there, were there only four refs in, in, like in the whole tournament? Yeah. Like, why? But I, I, I don't know. You, like, you I, mean like they, I don't, probably... they don't know them as much. So it's like it's yeah. harder to yell at a guy that you don't even have any I get rapport, it. rapport I didn't, with. I didn't, I didn't watch the games as closely as you did. So I, I mean, don't know. You if, knew that I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is like an incorrect observation, but I do find like they'll call a lot of obvious contact all the time. Whereas like I feel like sometimes in the NBA, yeah, yeah. Like there's certain flows of the game where guys are just gonna let the physical contact go. Where like if Kelly Olynyk has his hand and he's reaching in, mm-hmm. they're calling it. Like there's not a lot of I don't feel like they let a lot of stuff go, and yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad because like we see the fouls add up so much in FIBA, mm-hmm. but like I appreciate that aspect of it too because like I just find in the NBA it's like very tailored. The refing is very tailored to the personality of the ref. Like, sure, you, you yeah. know, yeah, like, we sure, joke sure. that you know so many of these refs' names, but it's because you know all their tendencies. Yeah. And, like, you know how they treat players, how they talk to them, what kind of calls you might get on particular but you know, night. players even play differently according exactly. to the Exactly. Whereas I appreciate a FIBA ref where it's like, okay, like, if this guy's reaching in, like, the, the call's going to be made. Sure. Like, I'm yeah. not going to worry about it. So, I don't know how you felt about the refs overall, like, watching this I, tournament. I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with the refs at all. I, I think one of the things I liked more watching it was it's like the the fouls that bother me are the clear-cut, like, horrible missed fouls. Like, it's like a grab on the arm, mm. like, no crowd around. Because sometimes you 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 bring the ball low and there's a help defender, another defender, you're there, and then you're, like, swip, swiping up with the ball. Mm. Like, it creates this corridor where you can't even see the contact. You might hear the contact, maybe, but, like, you know what I mean? Like I, those calls not getting called. I understand. Cause like, it's just human. Like the sight lines might be blocked and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like the, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the kind of foul where LeBron went to the rim and Jason Tatum hacked his arm. Like those kind of fouls mm. that are very obvious. I think were all called to me. Yeah. And I think the thing that I enjoyed even more is there weren't as many foul calls where it was just like, Oh, there's no real contact or no, no like strong contact on the shooter. But it feels like there's so many times in the NBA where it's like, a generous call that favors the offense versus mm-hmm. favoring the defense in terms of mm-hmm. the leniency. And it didn't, it didn't feel like outside of maybe watching like, you know, Austin, Austin Reeves twerk for three fouls drawn a game. <laughs> that guy just really knows how to twerk. Like it's, it's unbelievable. He draws fouls just on nothing. He's just dribbling around and he gets fouled. But like outside of that, like there wasn't any bait fouls, you know what I mean? Mm. That, that didn't really feel yeah. obvious to me. And I didn't, so. I don't feel like too, one of the common things in the NBA is and just And you got like, to hear the rest. That was a huge, yes, huge I, I, difference. I love man. that. Especially when they're going to the screen yeah. and you can see how they're discussing the call and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Cause I think yesterday, um, I think this was an overtime when like, um, 
when there was an inbound that like tipped off mm-hmm. Team USA. It was yeah, right USA on the baseline. Call, one for a challenge. Yeah. yeah, like it was really refreshing to be able to just see their whole thought process. Yeah, because you could hear the ref being like, "Oh yeah, like the angle of the ball yeah, changed, the trajectory of the ball yeah. changed, and therefore it's like, it was a deflection." And because yep. like sometimes, like if you're on the USA side and they don't give you that call. Like in the NBA, it's like you don't really get an explanation. No, maybe you get one in the pool report. Sure, you yeah. know, but like honestly, most times those are very manicured or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like we're getting Yo, to this, see them problem solving in real time. This segment so. is for Victor, man. Oh, shouts to Victor. Victor, man. <laughs> no, but I think the other thing too, I didn't notice a lot of this in FIBA is like just the makeup call culture. Like, yeah, like yeah, in, in, in the in the NBA calling, yeah. in the NBA, it's like you know you know. When a when a guy complains about a call, the other team's gonna get an offensive foul sometimes on the sure, way down. Yeah. I didn't see any of that too, so I don't know. I feel like watching FIBA does highlight a lot of the like like bad things about well, NBA refs. It's just a different, I mean, even in general, like even the NBA style of play, like it's just a different version of basketball. Mm. And I actually kind of appreciate that it's the same sport with largely the same rules outside of some small eccentricities like tapping the ball off the rim or whatever. Like, Oh yeah. I love that. They should make that like just part of the game, man. I wouldn't mind. It would, honestly, it would, it, even that small kind of rule change would yeah. allow NBA teams to play more bigs. Yeah. Cause bigs are kind of dying in the game. Like when you watch NBA games, like so many teams are yeah. essentially Raptors vision six, nine. And you see how that like just falls flat on his face. Imagine when, just when you having Boban in there, just whacking balls off the yeah, rim. Boban will get a max contract, <laughs> man. No three seconds, whacking <laughs> the ball off the rim. Boban. Yeah. That's- Yo, like, Tillman Fertitta's gonna give him the the, the Fred VanVleet contract. Yo, they're, oh. they're gonna run a play next year where they have Boban lift up Fred VanVleet and walk him across the court with the ball and dunk it. Yo, you know what? Like they a should, father with a child. Yo, they should try that, man. <laughs> that's not traveling. I don't think that's traveling. Yo, I actually don't the, think that's traveling. Yo, that's the combination, man. Holy! All right, next question. All right. Hey, Doug. Hope your sleep patterns haven't been too disrupted by the FIBA World Cup. Well, As you're covering the games, albeit, albeit from afar, how much earlier have you had to get up before the games to start working? Did your workday start five minutes before game time or hours earlier? Uh, am I supposed to answer this as me or as Doug? <laughs> Definitely as you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Make no assumptions with Doug. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I definitely just like tried to go to sleep earlier. So mm. that was my approach. I didn't really want to stay up because it was only twice that it happened, right? It was a Serbia game. Uh, which was at 445 yeah, and then the 431 uh, you know yesterday yeah, arguably the two most important games I mean yeah, Spain I mean, not, was the not most arguably important. they were literally the most I mean important Spain games. was the most important up to that point sure yeah yeah, yeah but so. um yeah I mean I, you know what it was I, I saw a, a tweet online from a friend of the program you know um, Danielle Danielle showed yeah and she okay. was like oh you know I have my alarm sets for 2 a.m. You yeah. know, I, I need to like, you know, be ready for TV, which and, and probably commute here too. So yeah. it's like, you know, that whole process of like that she was going through to cover the game and shout out to the rest of the broadcast because it was much harder for them to do it. And yeah, I was shows, like, shows I was like, yo, we, we basically do the same shows job. Shout out to Sherman Hamilton. Shout out to all the people behind the scenes. Yeah. Shout out to Arash Danny. Yeah. Shout out to all those guys. But like, you know, most of those people were obviously here in Toronto outside of Arash and some of the um, producers, I suppose. But like. If they're also covering the same event, but they got to get up at 2 a.m., then why am I going to complain about waking Plus up Plus, you got to be on camera. Like, they exactly. have to be, like, I'm on. literally just, like, in my sweats with a mocha coffee sitting down at exactly 4.29 to tune in. Sorry, I didn't watch the pregame show. But, sorry, Grange, but... You know, but like my my favorite thing. No, shout to them. My favorite thing. So I, I just want to sleep <laughs> earlier. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, my favorite thing yesterday was like, so they wrap up the Team Canada coverage. Yeah, yeah. and then they just they're just like, well, 
we got the gold medal game coming up. That's going to just be a straight FIBA feed. <laughs> we ain't going to provide no analysis, no no panel. <laughs> They're like, here's the FIBA feed. We there's, out. There's no three-point grand for that. <laughs> none, none of that. Nah, I mean, you know, it is what no, it is. No, no, I appreciate it, man. Like, yeah. I think I think they knew what their audience was was tuning in for. Second also part, also the FIBA yeah. broadcast, I I did enjoy them. I did enjoy them as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a different pace too, like different type of commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um. Next part of this question is, um, it's not fair, but I suspect Jordi Fernandez's success at the World Cup will place some pressure on Darko Ryakovic, considering that Fernandez was considered for the Raptors head coach position. I can envision many of the Toronto sports columnists and commentators on radio. And TV drawing comparison oh, between. Wait, I already on. did two episodes ago, especially if the Raptors struggle. Uh-huh. Rakovic can ignore any negative social media and others who complain, but it could also add more drama to the upcoming NBA season. Rakovic should be judged on his own merits, success, and hopefully few failures. But am I wrong in anticipating this possible scenario? Similarly, it is unfair to ask if Nick Nurse would have had the same success at the World Cup had he stayed on as head coach. But how different would the team's play have been? And thank you for a great interview with Nurse. Uh, that's right. Doug talked to Nick Nurse right, right. Uh, in the Toronto Star early last week. Um, so that is the question. So uh, let's talk about it. Would would Team Canada have been in this position with Nick Nurse? Uh, okay, we can start there, sure. Um, I mean, maybe. I think they would have played a lot different defensively. Mm. I, I mean, we, we just know. I mean, I've seen Nick Nurse coach um, the last World Cup, for example. And that, and that was a totally different context. It's a totally different roster. But... There's a lot more doubling. There's a lot more full court press. There's a lot more box and ones, all that kind of stuff. Canada didn't do a lot of that this year, right? There was a lot of like guard your man. Um, we'll make adjustments, but they didn't really play that much zone R- relative to other teams. Canada played very little zone um, in this tournament, and I think it was kind of to their benefit. Their big defensive, you know, adjustments um, in terms of the major ones, or in terms of like just going to switch all kind of lineups, um, but those are kind of like more straightforward and they kind of relied a lot more on, um, you know, the team playing, guarding their man. Um, even things like the approach to training camp, like, you know, like Nick definitely spends most of training camp focused on the defensive end. I, you know, from what I understand, Jordy spent a lot of this training camp focused on offensive execution. Mm. So it, it, they're, it's, it's different. Now, I, would they have done the same thing? Who knows? I mean, obviously Shea was still going to play his, his game. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm not really sure, but I do know that Jordy actually did it. Yeah. So like I'm gonna I mean like I, I didn't really think about, you know, what would Nick have done the same, but that's a completely hypothetical. I think we gotta give Jordy credit for actually doing it himself. Yeah, it's almost a discredit to him to even like compare and think about it instead of just focusing on just the work that he did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard to think of a better coaching performance given the circumstances, man. No, he did like, he did really well. Even in the in, in the finale there when he, he goes to Lou to start the game defensively. Like, I, I think that, you know, it kind of set the tone for Canada in the sense that they needed more defense and they took away Kelly, who I'm pretty sure USA would have just went at Kelly quite a bit. Um, you know, and I mean, even when Kelly was in the game, they went at him quite a bit and he picked up some foul trouble. So that's that part. The second part with the, the Darko pressures and all that kind of stuff, like, from at least maybe it was just me, but I haven't seen literally anybody other than you bring this up and you brought it up tongue in cheek. Yeah, a little bit tongue in cheek, yeah. you know. Um, might like, might be it might be a topic we we tap into. All right, well, at may- the start of the season, maybe he's talking about us. But yeah, I, I do think that like, I mean, Darko is forty four years old and he's in his first NBA head coaching yeah. job. Like, he's got more pressure than 
what Jordy did at the World Plus Cup. Plus, he's under a lawsuit right now. <laughs> and he's under a lawsuit. So, you know what I mean? Like, he's he got, under he the watchful eye of the law right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's on the phone with Levy right now. You bet's <laughs> making brisket. Um, he was doing 55 <laughs> in the 54 zone. Like, it was, that's exactly what's going yeah. on. Like, it's, he, got, he got 99 problems and synergy is one. <laughs> no, legit. Like, Jordy is not one of those 99 problems that he has right now. He, he, you know, like, you can't worry about that. There's tons of pressures mm-hmm. of being a head coach, and you can't worry about, like, meeting yeah. what the next, what the previous person. Like, it, I mean, by that record, it'd be like, well, he has a hard record, like, standard to live up to with Nick. Like, Nick literally brought the Raptors to their only championship. Well, from a personality standpoint, it's a low bar for him to hit. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, I, I think, yeah, I mean. No, I, listen, man. Like, I brought up a tongue in cheek, but I also, I think it's just. It's just, I think a lot of people, there's probably people that are watching this and it's hard not to just even have that thought. Mm -hmm. Cause like Mm -hmm. you just think about the command that Jordy's had in the locker room. Like just, you talk about the players, the way the players talked about him and stuff. That's also a short term thing. And it's for like a world cup. Of course. But like like, you look at Jordy and you're like, this has the makings of just a really good young NBA head coach. If you put him in the right position and it's like, what do I want in a Raptors head coach this coming season? I want a guy who can communicate um, and who can build these relationships with the younger players on the team. Yeah. Um, I want someone who's like confident tactically, all this stuff. And it's not saying that Darko doesn't have any of these qualities, but it's just, you know, to, unfortunately we, we got to see Jordy show it yeah. um, in this position. And this so, is why it's important for any prospective head coaches. This to, is why no pressure Darko, to be a head coach at some point, because lock it, in. it puts a resume in front of people. Mm-hmm. Now I, we can all point to what Jordy has done with Canada. Yeah. And I think there's just, and I know this stuff is hard to measure, but there's just something like genuine and authentic. I feel like about Jordy, like the way that he speaks yeah. so passionately about his players. I mean, you don't think just, he prepared those lyrics though? Oh, of course, man. Do you like, think they were off the dome? No, 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 no. No one's off the dome except for me. Uh, right. By the way, did Shay did Shay post any IG posts with his with his corny IG? Uh, we'll get oh. to we'll get to Shay later. Right. Uh, hey, wow, okay. Uh, right, we're gonna slander. We're not gonna slander Shay. I'm just Shea, saying. Why right? are people so today like, of all days? Why man. are people so excited about those lyrics? Um, oh, but, okay, all right. But nice. yeah, like Jordy, I think Jordy gives off that really authentic, genuine vibe. Mm, I so, agree. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying again, I'm not saying he does and Darko does not, but I'm just saying Darko, man, pressures, pressures on from day zero, from day zero, the, the pressure. Oh, I mean, you, you know, on. Darko's pressured right now, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he under surveillance. So. Yeah, he, he really under <laughs> no, no, surveillance. No, nothing more pressure than that. So you didn't think uh, this was he from Shay? They debating if my bag is deep. Mm. Because they know the only thing I really lack is sleep. Mm. Left home and said I wouldn't be back for weeks until I made sure I was in Paris next summer and not for fashion week. He did rhyme week with week. Well, here's what I'm saying. Like, we know Shay is a first team all star, like celebrity, right? If he Wait, is he? Yeah, no, he's a first team All NBA, right? Didn't oh, he make oh, first, he is, yeah, 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 first team All NBA? But he's a first team All NBA celebrity. No, but no, first like, team All NBA. First team All NBA slash, like you know. Celebrity, especially in this country, for all that he's done for Team Canada. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, for sure, for sure. If a uh, if a regular civilian say pick one of your friends who likes to indulge in rap, mm. like not me, like someone else, yeah. like if if one of your boys put that in in a in an IG post, mm-hmm. that type of rap, like, are you saying it's heat? I mean, it's heat if you qualify. So so it's context. So the same concept of like funny versus sports funny. He's like a good sports IG poster. I mean, those are good sports athlete raps. 
Those are the actual good raps. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's Listen, not even trying I'm to put together to, raps. You know, what I'm mean? not trying he's to just, hate. Like, just, it's just the caption. I know. You know. I'm not trying to hate. I just, right. I saw people being really excited about it, and I was. I like, find Shay to be cool. Like, I, I no, actually, I, I love I, Shay. I like his interviews. I'm, I'm like... also, you know, I'm a student of the game. You know, oh, I love okay. hip hop. Oh wow, okay. And right, you know, right, when right. you drop bars, like they got to be fire. Yeah, no, okay, all right. You know, rap battle. Next time we have an interview with Shay, which hopefully will happen on this program. Yeah. Let's let's have you forget rap battle that Shay Gilchrist Alexander. 2020 All Star Weekend when I went with. Uh, ben, Benji, yep. and Ashley Hufford mm-hmm. for Yahoo. We, I was trying to find these clips actually during the FIBA tournament. We actually went and like recorded a bunch of clips with Shay and Nikhil where they were judging your fits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I was looking through the run it back Yo, episodes, but they weren't labeled to the point where I could find the exact right. episode. Yeah. If you watch all the run it back episodes, you will find one. <laughs> Especially where literally... between like March to basically before yeah, the pandemic. Oh, when, when you start seeing our hair like getting all weird and we're on yeah, green yeah, screens, yeah, yeah, yeah. then stop. Yeah. Yo, damn. That's but right. there's a whole there's a whole segment out there where I showed them your fits and then yeah. like they actually gave critique about it. Shay was actually I think one Shea of them was said you had, them. Well, yeah, one of them said like you had sauce and stuff. All right, yeah. So. Soy sauce. Sorry. <laughs> Yo, man. Sorry. I did that, that to myself. <laughs> that monkey sushi soy sauce. No, that's different. Um, that's different, man. But anyways. You know no, they're using Kikurman. No, shout to Shay. Like, everybody, please just go appreciate his lyrics. I want everyone to be happy. Um, yeah, the other Shay thing, I guess I'll bring it up now. It's like I heard you and Oren Weisfeld talk about, like, Shay being the best Canadian player ever now. Yeah, yeah. Versus Steve Nash. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm not ready to okay, go there Okay, all right, all right. Let's, like, let's do it. Like you can Let's talk about, I, I think part of it is kind of recency bias, and and trust me, I know you've watched Steve Nash. Yeah, I have. Yeah. You you love the Seven Seconds or Less Sons. Yeah, I read the book. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, what Steve? I think I'm looking at it more big picture, just from an accomplishment standpoint to what I've yeah. seen him do. Um, just not just the two MVPs, like what he meant to those Phoenix teams, mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. far he was able to drag them. That's fair. They were basically like NBA, like champion runner ups, in my opinion, even though they lost to like the Spurs in the second round mm-hmm. or like losing to the Mavericks or like all this stuff. They were going up against teams that eventually went on to win. Right. I hear you. Yeah. Like they're right there. And it's like, I know Nash sometimes is like, Oh, sometimes people might look at his numbers too. Cause like he was not one of those guys who was going for 30 at night. He just didn't score that much. But you remember there were points in the playoffs when they would oh, like tell him 40 plus when yeah. they would tell him, yo, we need you to take 25 shots. Where him tonight. and Dirk went head to head. I think maybe right after he left to yeah. and he had like 40 and Dirk had like 40. Yeah. And the, yeah. And the scores, Joseph Kashar wrote a like, great uh, oral Jason history Kidd. about that stuff. Like when yeah. Steve wanted to drop 40, he could, cause he was such yeah, an efficient yeah. Oh, yeah. score. Right. Yeah, yeah. But like, that's not what they needed on, on that team. Like he was a distributor. He was like, you know, the fulcrum of everything. I'm just saying it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. like Shay's Shay's a monster, mm-hmm. but I'm still putting Steve Nash ahead right well, now. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like he hasn't, Shay has not had the resume that Steve Nash has had. Yeah. Like it's I'll, not even close. Actually. I think Shay can definitely just like surpass Steve Nash and surpass yeah. everyone become just like the best Canadian player ever. Yeah. yeah. But I, I need him to, I need him to accomplish a few more things first. Well, here's the thing. So he, he got Canada medal. Yeah. Which already is above what yeah. Steve has done. Yeah. Right. Um, I think my thing with the, with the with this argument was part of me, part of, I feel like Steve's success was not just based on his abilities as a player, which were excellent. Like there's no doubt about his ability. And again, I'm coming from a perspective where Steve Nash used to be my favorite player and was one of the biggest reasons why I got into basketball. Right. Um, but especially looking back on it, it felt like they innovated first and they were like discovering how to play fast-paced basketball, well-spaced basketball. And if the rest of the league isn't doing it, then it's going to make him look even greater in addition to the fact that he had the talent to execute that strategy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, 
you know, like his abilities one on like just as a player, like as a scorer. I mean, Shea definitely has Steve beat as a scorer. There's, there's, there yeah, there yeah, can't yeah. be any doubt about no, that. No, I mean, Shea's package is just different, right? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think he can make a bigger effort than Steve defensively as well. Yep. Um, even just on a baseline level, based between his rebounding, oh, Shea's uh, rebounding, yeah. between the fact that he has the ability to turn it on in the last couple of minutes, like mm-hmm. we saw the last minute he got a stop uh, on USA as well, which was huge. Uh, he stopped Edwards one-on-one. I think that was the end of regulation there. It was a big, big stop. In, in the Spanish game, he made a huge, huge steal down there to clinch the, the game for Canada in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, he did that at multiple points in other games as well. Like, he has that ability to change the game defensively. I think he did it against Slovenia is what I'm thinking about. Yeah. He has a that I don't think Steve has. Steve is undeniably a way better passer than Shea. Mm-hmm. It's not close to me. And his accomplishments are greater. But we're just talking about their qualities as players in terms of their individual skill sets. I think Shea's like slightly better than, than but my Steve thing is me, like man. I think my only pushback is like Steve Nash was so important to those Phoenix teams, and sure, like yeah. he was also so important even to that one team Canada team yeah, yeah, that yeah, like made fair. the Olympics. That's fair. Like, and, and I, I saw he got like a twenty six eight and eight against Yugoslavia. Like that's <laughs> Yo, bro, against that's the tough. Yugos, and then but it's like I I'm pretty sure Shea's gonna get there. Cause he's so young and he's already got this skill, but I need to feel Shea in the same way where like on an OKC team, like he's really, so you like, want to see OKC make the playoffs. And yeah. Make I want to see, run. I want to feel That's like fair. Shea That's is fair. like, I want to feel Shea as like the center of the universe of that squad. But is there anything about Shea's game that feels fake to you at all? No, 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 it feels no. just authentic. No. I just I think I just think we're a little bit too early. Okay. That's fair to I, do that. Cause I, like, I, I just want to show me. respect to that's Steve fair. Nash. I'm just saying for me watching it, his game to me. Yeah. You know who he is at the mid range. Who yeah. he is at the <laughs> oh, one no. pull up? His two dribble pull up. You know, like. Do you think Baldon saw what it like Steve Nash too? Like, oh yeah, of course, yeah. of course. I mean, he's Canadian yeah. too. Don't oh, forget yeah, this. That's right. Shout out to Ekam. Yeah, he's Canadian. Number one basketball analyst on the West in the game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but come on, man. The the, no, the, I, the skill that Shane I, has. I get it, man. The defense and all that stuff. I'm just saying, like, Steve Nash was to the Suns what like Steph is to the Warriors right now. Like you all can right, you can right, talk right. about like yeah, Am- yeah. Amare, Sean Mary, and all these guys, but like Steve Nash made them like mm. who they are. Yeah, yeah. So no, like I to me, that. I gotta put them on that pedestal still. Yeah, no, I get like, you. I get you. I yeah. think it's it's definitely a debate right now. I just but... wanted to have a first take debate, you know? No, that's fair. I mean, this is the most agreeable first take debate ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why did we fight? <laughs> I'd even bring the race card into this. This guy's like, but he didn't have Tom McCullough. Um all right, couple more in the yield. Yeah, let's go. And then we'll take a break. All right, ye old. Uh, <laughs> good day, Doug. Thanks for keeping us informed about the minutia of the Raptors All and right, national yeah. teams as a slow season of summer goes on. Hope your summer has gone well, and perhaps you have been able to catch a breath and a little extra stool time. You what? want? I, I don't know. You want this? <laughs> this is just how people talk. Um, you want no questions? Way. And here is a crucial near end of summer query. Right. This season brings Goodness. us the peak of local food products. Yeah. Your inquiring readers need to know what your favorite food is from this cornucopia. Is it the tomatoes that for a month actually taste like tomatoes, the fresh out of the field sweet corn, mm. or perhaps the pride of Niagara Peninsula peaches waiting oh, for the first of the apple crop? Or perhaps you are that one person who eats all the zucchini. By the way, speaking of tomatoes... Have you yet enjoyed the peak of gastronomy, the toasted peanut butter and tomato sandwich? What? This is one thing what? I look forward to oh when we God. get real tomatoes. That's what, that's what leads to stool time right All there. the best. <laughs> All the best. Bill W. from Chatham. 
Oh yeah, Chatham. Okay, Ontario. so yeah. you wow. have to pick between tomatoes, fresh out the field sweet corn, uh-huh, yeah. Niagara Peninsula peaches, yeah. apple crop, the new apples, mm-hmm. or zucchini. Yeah, we're not talking about the new iPhones. We're talking about the new <laughs> no, Apple apples, right? We're, we're talking we're Macintosh. Tim Cook. We're actual cooks right now. <laughs> uh, what a dad there joke. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm going to call Azotem Tim Crook. <laughs> He Jimmy Crook. He Tim Crook. He's like, you can't just take your laptop from Apple to IBM. Come on, man. You, come on, everyone knows that. All right, sorry. Um, uh, you got to pick, I man. mean, it's got to be stone fruit season, man. Like, stone fruit season approaching. If you haven't already right, had, right. uh, just pick up your little basket of Ontario peaches. You know, it's iconic, yeah. that little, like, plastic, the cardboard Yo, peaches are just sick, man. Yeah. My, my, my mom's been heavy on the market. peaches lately. Like, peaches are, I'm ready to elevate peaches into, like, a top two fruit. Oh, man, are you kidding me? Especially us as Chinese people. Like, we love we love peaches, Watermelon's still got to be one for me. Watermelon, though, obviously, like. we, don't really, we don't really grow them to that scale here in, in Canada. Um hard to find locally grown watermelon also you know what hits so recently I, i've been um i found a new place to go like shoot so i've been doing a new drill where i'm trying to make 153s oh, within man. an hour which at first was a little bit difficult now i've gotten to the point the last run i did i think well not run it's just me personally but yeah. i think it was sunday i went to do this and i believe i made 153s in like 42 minutes wow. like that so and that's rebounding for myself too. You need to pull a, a Assad Soir lasers and like put a camera on and record I mean, it, man. Who's gonna watch that? Assad? I will. <laughs> Actually, you and Assad are the prime target for watching that and, and Raptors moments as well. So you've uh, been so you've been putting in work. So so but in the, near the new court that I've been shooting on, yeah, there's um, peaches. There is like a fruit, like one of those like Chinese run like fruit like uh, okay, stores okay, okay, where they have the stands. Nice. This one just like does like a like juices and stuff. So it'll just be like a, mm. a cup of watermelon juice or a couple like mango juice or like mm. there's like eight or nine of them. Is this by the office or no? No, no, no. Okay. It's like on St. Clair. All St. Right. Clair and Dufferin. Um, I don't know what that and, is. And <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Honestly, that's fair. That's, that's quite north for you. It's Midtown. Uh, basically, it's almost yeah. Midtown. It's it's Savelle territory. You know what I mean? Oh, like okay. Savelle definitely knows that area. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, you're very close to Savelle, by the way. Not I am to be very off close topic, to Savelle, yeah. but like. Yeah, I, I my go-to thing has just been to have a watermelon juice after nice, after nice. playing. It's it's probably the most refreshing thing. Yeah, possible. this is like as James Naismith intended, man. You know, shoot oh, yeah. at the shoot at the peach basket and then Yo. go have some watermelon juice. <laughs> this guy's got it all down. Still, uh, still out uh, of of basketball activity with plantar fasciitis. So, yeah, um, been been rubbing the what? bottom of my foot with a spiky ball. So, uh, actually, we're on our way to recovery. Yo, you can't just put Tiger Bomb on it and it's over. No, I wish, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I go for like no, I, I go I, for like three hour walks and then I wake up the next day and I'm limping. Tiger Bomb is the peak of. Uh, <laughs> I know it's all crazy in there. <laughs> Tiger Bomb is 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 Asian stool time. Um, <laughs> Okay. Um, anyways, uh, the the other yeah. so what was also mentioned. Sweet here, corn is also is a close second though for me. Okay, sweet, sweet corn, corn is, is amazing. Is, is the silver medalist. There's a lot of locally grown produce though. You know, zucchini. I mean, one one easy way to eat zucchini is just to take one of those like spiralizers or whatever. Mm. So you just like scrape the zucchini and make them into like zoodles essentially. Toss that in the salad. Yeah, you know another way to eat zucchini. The noodles. You can get it as part of the sushi at Monkey Sushi. Oh. Um, Wait, well, they're putting zucchini in a sushi. <laughs> what are they doing? In the, don't put it. Don't put those, that past them. Okay. And have you heard of this? Uh, Bill mentioned the toasted peanut butter and tomato sandwich. No, no, man. I'm, got, I'm, I'm willing to try this. You know what's really good though? Just a tomato salad. Like you get fresh tomatoes. You mm. toast up like some cumin seed. You toast up 
um, maybe a little bit of like caraway seed or whatever, yeah. but just like, and then you grind them up that toasted uh, with like a, maybe a little bit of sesame oil heated up as well. Mm. And then you, you put some like sugar or not sugar, actually honey. You should use some honey. Yeah, yeah I had a beautiful, I had a beautiful just, tomato sandwich. Oh yeah, you know exactly what in, I mean. Uh, in Montreal. Mint, obviously, a little bit of cheese, yeah. some feta. Shout out to Gia. Um, that's the restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, tomato salad is, is, is one of my favorite, man. No, it is a very refreshing thing, especially this time of year. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a local Toronto produce or Canada produce uh, appreciator. Yeah, respect so. that. Um, hope you're hanging in there good right now. We got a few more here. All right, let's go. For the ye old. Um, hi, Doug. The FIBA games. Oh, this is another question about Jordy and Darko. So we're going to just make the executive decision. All right, that's fair. And move on from that. Oh, oh big swerve. Um, this is from Phil M., Michael Wilbon said something out loud on Wednesday that's been on my mind for the last two seasons. Who calls him Michael? <laughs> I guess Paul M. Uh, all right, all right, that's fair. He said Luka Doncic is on the verge of becoming a disappointment with his constant whining when things go against him and getting thrown out of games, as he did against Canada. At one point, I thought he could lead a team to a title. Now he seems like James Harden Jr. Your opinion? Is uh, Luca James Harden Jr.? James Harden Jr. is hard. <laughs> Yo, it's just like when Cell spat out all those little kids in Dragon Ball. It's those Cell Juniors. Yo, this is wild, man. You're calling him Majin Buu at this point. Yeah, he's calling him his son. <laughs> he's calling him Kid Buu. But like, okay. Um, I mean, I see the comparison. I, I, I see the point. Um, Yo, we need a cool graphic of you saying yes. And the question is, is Luka Doncic James Harden Jr.? They calling him J-H-J. Okay, okay. a couple key differences. Yeah. Luka, to me, already has bigger playoff highs and bigger playoff moments than James Harden has had in, in like three times the amount of time. Oh, probably five times the amount. Right? But yeah. like, so yeah. to me, that is already a huge differential. Right? Yeah. I'm not seeing Luka Doncic fold. Ever. No, Luca will I've seen him lose, but I haven't seen him fold. Yeah. I've seen James Harden fold, you know, quite a bit. All right. So um I think that's a key differential. I but I I do see the similarities in the sense that really ball dominant, not playing that much defense, and then just like the incessant complaining and whining and stuff like that. Luca's whining is way more than James Harden's, in my um, opinion. Like Luca is just like nonstop. I mean, I think both of them have the skill level to play the to play the ref and to play the defender at the same time mm-hmm. um and so when they don't it's not successful they definitely complain because they're like they don't, don't you think just don't, complain don't you think joel calls. Embiid argues more than james harden mm, yeah probably a little bit yeah probably he's not even number yeah he's number three in philly if he stays there because nick nurse is gonna oh, be up man. there too that team is gonna be so annoying. I'm telling you, man. Patrick Beverly there too. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Nick, Nick Nurse one of the Pat Bev pod. Man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, so I can see them going down no. that trajectory. I mean, I think the sad thing is just uh Dallas doesn't have much talent around him or the right talent around him to sort of make that style that Luca wants to play work. Because I actually do think that Luca can win a championship just based on how strongly he's played overall in the playoffs. Oh, he he can definitely but win a championship, but just I think he needs better talent. Not with this him, team, not not with Kyrie. He basically needs like four Grant Williamses. <laughs> Yo, we but said he got this. one though. He got one. So we said this last time. I think when Harrison Sanford was on the show. No, but it was four of someone else. <laughs> yeah, and he couldn't stop cracking up. Um, anyways, like four Danny Greens or something. I don't. Know. Yeah, no, it was someone really funny. Um, yeah, next question. Two more here. Hey, Doug, it's been fun watching the Canadian men's team at FIBA. 
as someone who has covered the ups and downs of the past, how refreshing is it to see them make it to the semifinals? Okay, I guess we've covered this in terms of like changing yeah. the narrative. And lastly, what is it about the FIBA game that allows for players like Rondé Hollis Jefferson to really shine beyond what they may contribute to in the NBA? Well, in the specific case of Rondé, it's pretty obvious. I mean, he got to be the number one option. I don't think he's been a number one option even when he was at Arizona. But what about like like Dennis Schroeder, for example, right? Like we see the way yeah, that he was able sure. to play. And like there's there's just zero part of me that's expecting that to translate into Schroeder suddenly becoming a different NBA player when he comes here. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the case with Germany is so there's a key difference in terms of like players who are empowered and players who aren't empowered. And I think that two key examples in terms of the two key standouts, like Dylan Brooks was really empowered to play his game. You even saw Jordy say it after um, they won bronze. Yeah, I, I love the relationship between the two of them. That, even that alone, even a player building that strong relationship with the head coach in that short amount of time and at that translating to actual crucial production in the case of Dylan Brooks to get Canada to that point where they can win the bronze. Like that alone is great coaching from Jordy. You know what I mean? So like, just put that aside, but mm. um when you empower a player and, and you don't and just like in any workplace, like if you empower that person to sort of act on instinct rather than acting based off of fear or acting based off of like, oh, my God, did I do something wrong? It just changes completely that person's productivity. and You're more likely going to get more out of that person. I think that's true in all workplaces, not just in like basketball in this context. But, like, that's what Canada did. They empowered. Like, they could have chosen other players to come up and be at the top because most of Canada, like, for example, that Canada-USA game, Shea was going to have the ball, uh, probably trying to go right, and then whoever was stationed on the right or on the left wing beside him, that was the person who was going to get the ball out of that double team most times because that's where the double was coming from, on from the top. And they chose to put Dylan Brooks in that position because they empowered him because they knew that you know, they actually believed in him offensively. And I and I do feel like, especially given what Dylan Brooks has gone through the last couple of years, um, he probably really appreciated that. And that brought a higher level out of him. Like, I don't think that that's even that uncommon. The same thing with Dennis. I think what, what, with Dennis, Germany also had really great spacing as well to cover for Dennis. They had good defensive coverage in terms of the front court to cover for Dennis, allowing a lot of dribble penetration, I thought, in, in this tournament. Um I mean, not a lot, but I mean, like a decent amount where he was beaten, but he had help behind him. Um, they had guys who were willing to defer. I mean, like Franz, you know, would sometimes take over. But realistically, when Dennis was on the floor, he was the clear cut leader. And it wasn't like he had the ball every single time. But Dylan was or Dylan, but like um, Dennis was willing to play within that team context, knowing that he could have it anytime he wanted. So that's something that, again, he probably has never really had to that degree in the NBA. Um, so I, I think it's really just like choosing to empower players and sort of like, you know, that brings it along, along with the fact that obviously it's a totally different team context most times. Yeah, it is interesting. It is fun to see some of these guys like have their standout, you know, games. It's great. Stuff. Yeah, it's great. Like, all right, last one for the ye old. Um, I have to confess, I have a new viewing habit for big nerve wracking games as I have had a few heart attacks, operations, et oh, cetera. Okay, wow. I needed to change my viewing habits as I got too keyed up, too emotional, too stressed watching the games. Fair. Wow, you might you might be able to learn a thing or two I've, from yeah, this. I'm taking notes. So this what person, did Doug say about this, this person Doug B is saying uh-huh. that I um I no longer watch games live anymore. Oh, okay. I wait until the game is over, see if Canada won, and if they did, I sit and watch the whole game. If they didn't, I don't watch. I find mm. it so much more relaxing. It allows me to analyze the game, look at the changes in ebb and flow. I find it much better for my overall being and they went on to ask yeah i mean so has canada going to the paris olympics changed your retirement plans 
I don't know. Doug was retiring soon. Um, the mm. tall foreheads have to be sending you to Paris to cover the action. What does the tall foreheads <laughs> mean? This is, once again, guys, this Whoa. is just this is just how people talk. Wait, wait um, hold on. I'm gonna look that up. Man. The tall foreheads no, that. in all is, caps. Is that Urban Dictionary? Is have that, to be. I, I think. I think you, it's Suburban Dictionary. That's a rural brother. dictionary. Yeah. Man. <laughs> um, tall foreheads, the tall foreheads on. have to be sending you to yeah, Paris to cover the action, as it deserves a feet on the ground reporting crew. Be a great way to cap off a career, a trip to Paris and watching Canada on the podium. And here is Doug's response. He said, I bet you are not alone in the way you watch games. Much to be said for it. And if it's good for your health, all the better. Funny about Paris. I've said for some time that I would have liked to do this World Cup and the 2024 Olympics and then maybe pull back a bit. Although Paris and the 2024-25 NBA season would be nine Olympics and 30 years of the Raptors. And that's a nice thought. But it's not up to me. Believe me, the people who need to know know, and any staffing decisions are rightfully out of my hands. There we go. I'm not finding what tall foreheads means. Okay, but well, salute we to can Doug. ask Doug. We can ask Doug. I'm, yeah, salute to Doug. To, this is like one of those ESL. Yeah. I haven't had an ESL moment in so long. Yeah, no, the tall, the tall foreheads. Um, I guess this is like a way to talk about like bosses editors i don't know i don't know i, I looked at tall forehead meaning that would be 30 years for for doug and you know if you want to find out his original you know story origin story uh, make sure you pre pre-order prehistoric um and it will be available on october 24th and please continue saving the date october 26th that's right. Huge book launch event happening at the Gold Ring Center at the University of Toronto. It's like a wedding and you're all invited. It's a wedding. It's really like I was thinking about this the other day. It is my wedding. It's your second wedding. It's my second wedding and I don't have to go through <laughs> a, a split after. Oh. Um, although I'm going to have to split my mom and my dad at the venue. So oh, I guess we'll have to figure that out. But uh. shouts to Joe, shouts to Joe Wong, you know, my fake Asian dad and Ennis the second, um, the second Ennis um, at U of T. But October 26th in the evening, please save the date. I... I, I'm begging all of you to be there. I want everyone to be there. It's going to okay. be a great event. But yeah, that is the ye old. No, you turning the ye old mill bag into a, a, a self promo is is genuinely don't, impressive. Man. Don't try this at home. Yeah. So we're gonna take a quick break. We are okay. Just to right. refresh, and then this will this will pretty much cover the basketball side of things. All right. And then when we come back, we're gonna uh, talk a little bit about what Lee Bank could possibly be eating on his trip currently in Barcelona. Yes. And then we have two Lord of the Rings uh, emails from from our listeners. Yeah, stay so. tuned. This is the only podcast that does this. I promise. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm your host, Wim Luke. You can be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong, who has already warned you before the break that any ball talk is over. So... Uh, with that in mind, we are here to talk about what are we here to talk about again, Alex? After uh, our short five minute break, where yeah. I scarf down the rest of the shawarma bowl. Yeah, this guy is on his bullway. Just no, it's not a bullway to be clear. You know, the summer's wrapping up. Just want to give shout outs to like so many of the people, all the guests over the summer that's like really held it down, right? Mm. You know, especially I know Oren Weisfeld, um, who you originally labeled as from the Guardian. But his description seems to change every time he comes on the show. Well, it depends on what's the latest article I've read from Oren. <laughs> so the last article that you wrote was actually up on The Guardian. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, you know. Okay, yeah. We, we we had a lunch recently at Sushi on Bloor. 
Oh. Yeah, appreciate Oren for introducing Did me. You to... see the monkey sushi there because there is a yes, monkey sushi yes, yes. Right, I, right I made him. I made place. him take a photo in front of the monkey sushi. Okay, yeah, nice. He's like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? This is funny. <laughs> and that was about it. I feel like, I feel like Oren's picked his energy up on the show though. Like you from did... listening to these recent appearances, I think, I think it's just because he went from waking up like around noon to waking up like at 4 a.m. <laughs> like I think it just changed his lifestyle, you know? So not, yeah. to, not to reveal what so, Oren does on a day-to-day basis. So you're saying the FIBA World this, this, Cup changed his fictitious. life. I'm sorry, guys. Can't see yeah, us for this. That's great. Uh, who else has been holding it down, man? Lee Ban, obviously. Lee Ban has been holding it down. I mean, yeah. we previewed the Team Canada and, and basketball. Yeah, shouts kind of shout to your boys, Sahal and, and Assad. Shouts to them available very early in the morning or very late at night for them because they yeah. stayed up all night yeah we made it through another summer i feel like the summer did kind of fly by the summer did kind of fly by and we never really took any breaks on the pod like there was maybe one week where we only did like one or two episodes and that's all and that's all to and that's all credit to you man like i feel yeah. like every week this is my the, hobby you know no at the start of the week you're always thinking about how to fill up the content schedule. that's literally what i do every monday morning yeah like, that's my to-do list for today um Prepare for my shoot. All right, got a shoot at UFT tomorrow. So yeah, big Joe shoot. Wong. Yeah, Joe's um, Basketball Diaries. Check it out on YouTube. Season two. Respond to some invites that I was on. Mm. Um, visit my family, which right. I will do. Marinate some beef, and I did that. For, oh, okay. that's why I was actually late to the studio. Oh, okay, nice. I had to chop up a whole bunch of beef and marinate it. Nice. I'm gonna make it for dinner. Um. So, and then podcast plans. Yeah. Week. There we so, go. And I wrote down here my plans are pod at two. Um and. We have two potential guests, including somebody who worked with Canada Basketball. Oh, Wanted to talk with him. That's going to be nice. And also someone who was, you know, very involved in the uh, Giants of Africa 20-year celebration. Oh, awesome. So yeah, that's, that's good. You're, you're filling out plan. the content schedule because it's the, it's really still the dog days, I believe, right now. We've got like three more weeks of dog days, though. And then it's mm-hmm. media day. And uh, speaking of which, we need a, we need a plan for that because, uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, and it's happening on my birthday. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, That's right. so we're Maybe gonna we'll celebrate. Build that into a segment. We're gonna celebrate. Can we get my every birthday. raptor we interview to say happy birthday to Alex? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Okay, all right. They have to do it in the form of a rap. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right. I'm writing that. Yeah, down. write that right down right immediately. There. Number all one right. producer in the game. Don't Media try this at day. home. Yeah, so I'm gonna be at Scotia Bank Arena the night before as well on oh, okay. October 1st because it's in a town, man. Wu- Siegel? <laughs> oh, close. <laughs> oh, That's uh Wu-Tang, Nas, and De La Soul. Oh, yeah, yeah I heard of that. Yeah, so uh, Ennis the First um, is is going to be at the show and keeping my fingers crossed, apparently he's been communicating with uh, a member of De La Soul. No way. And we might get to meet them backstage. Wow. So I'm actually going to go into my 2001 Honda Civic where I have all their CDs yeah, and yeah. maybe get some of them signed. With a nice wow. memorabilia. So That's no sick. no pressure to to Ennis the first, but well, you gotta respect Ennis for his pull. Oh yeah, of course. Like I, I feel like sometimes we don't realize. Like we we're just talking about this. Like we're around a lot of influential people. Ennis is yeah. I mean, I said this to him face to face last week when I played poker with him as mm. well. Um, but yeah, I mean, he I, my respect for him has gone up after he showed me some of the things that take place in his life. Oh, okay. Most okay. in terms of just the celebrities that yeah. he knows. Celebrity interactions. That's, that's all. Yeah, yeah we, that, we can't, that made it sound really sinister. And no, it's but not, we can't even drop a I hint. Just mean We're not allowed. He has cool coworkers. Yeah, we, we, have to, we have to respect the uh, celebrity circle. That's right. Privacy. But yeah, Lee Ban, I noticed, is in uh, currently traveling in Barcelona. Mm. And it's kind of cool, like, seeing him, you know, hit up all the spots, um, you know, park well. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, the yeah, Sagrada yeah. Familia. I've never been to Barcelona, so please recap. Camp Nou. Yeah, Park yeah. Royal is just a really famous park because the architecture is really famous. Is that the one there. with the spiky church? Uh, yes, yes. That's the that's the Sagrada Familia, mm. which I think like on and off has been like under construction for like a hundred years, mm. kind of like the Union Station situation <laughs> over there. So sometimes when compare, so sometimes when you go, you actually can't like get good photos. That's fair. Yeah. So, but uh, he got a very clear shot and he visited you know you know camp new mm-hmm. you know the, the spotify the, camp new yeah oh, that's right it's there. sponsored by now the sponsorship yeah the there. hollow grounds where you know barcelona has well, been you, you don't understand barcelona's oh, hit some man. real financial troubles recently so yeah. they had to do things like make it the spotify <laughs> yeah, not, camp new. it's not even sponsored by spotify premium it's just spotify regular <laughs> <laughs> they could even get the premium sponsorship but what's that big match that they call the the one between um uh, madrid and Barcelona, there's like a name for it every El time. El Clasico. Yeah, that's right, El Clasico. I was there one time when the El Clasico was happening. I can't believe you were at El Clasico, man. What no, year was I this? I wasn't there, but like I was watching it at like a local pub. No, but even being in the city for an El Clasico, and was like a, just was a the vibe. banging that would come from apartments, like yeah, in yeah, the yeah. city whenever a goal was scored. What, what so? What what year was this roughly? I want to say like this is at least ten years ago. So, so you're talking about like 2012, maybe 2012. Man, that's yeah. those are good years, bro. Because who, who are the stars on on that? So if squad. I remember that correctly, on one side, your man, mm. Pepper Guardiola, yeah. all right, made his bones <laughs> who at Barcelona. I, who, who I realize uh, you, you made me aware of this recently. He used to be a player. Yes. Yeah. He was Barcelona's captain. He was wow. like one of their most important pieces. I had no idea. Yeah. So he played and then he later became the manager. Mm. And that's when obviously Messi was there. Yeah. Um, you know, there was just, you know, that was probably around the time where Messi was scoring like 90 goals a season. Yeah. It was nuts. Like, like he's one season he scored 93 goals. In, in a calendar year. Was Ronaldo at Madrid? Ronaldo was at Madrid wow. with Mourinho as the head coach. Oh, wow. This is a heavyweight matchup. Yeah, so it, it was like El Clasico was not just, I mean, it meant the world so at that does, time. So does Pepper and Mourinho like have a rivalry? Yes, absolutely. Okay, in fact, they okay. even went later on. Um, obviously, Pep has been in Manchester City for a while now. But Mourinho even went to coach United. Wow. At, yeah. So, and, and the the origin story even goes where like, so... The first time that Barcelona jobs sort of came open where both of them were actively head coaching, mm. Mourinho wanted to get that job mm. at Barcelona. And instead, they chose to give it to Pep, who at that time had not managed at the at the top level yet. He had managed the B So team. it was like a controversial like choice. Five, it was like controversial. Yeah, so that, that already created a beef between them. They used to be like relatively friends or something like that. I don't know. Because he used to, uh, Mourinho used to be like a translator for the former coach of Barcelona at one point. Damn. And an assistant coach. So he used to just like manage him as a player too. Yeah. Damn, they got a relationship going way oh, back. Oh yeah, it's, it's a huge rivalry, man. They, they you know, they they talk trash. Mourinho's more of a trash talker than I would say out of the two of them. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's a heated rivalry, man. No, It's I like the that. Messi Ronaldo of coaches. Man. Yeah, yeah, so it's just so you were there for prime El Clasico. Good for you. Man. Yeah, it was Damn. just cool. It was just cool to see Liban, obviously, age what twenty three or something. Yeah, I mean, this is his first ever trip. Like, no, but like it's cool seeing seeing, trip, seeing you know the I mean? youngins have the same trips that I had when I was in my twenties. No oh, man. Yeah. Well, he is hitting all the tourist spots, which is nice. No, it's important, man. When you're there, uh-huh. I think there's also a Picasso museum that's really sure popular there. So, I'm sure we're gonna see that pop up. So, mm. no, I hope Liban's having a great time. My only question was like. We know Liban struggles with food. 
Lee Ben versus Food is the yeah. true Pep versus Moreno rivalry. No, it's not Moreno. Of president. Yo, I'm calling not, him Dan Moreno. It's not Pepper versus Moreno. <laughs> it's Pepper man. versus Dan Moreno. Um, what uh, what can um let's break down like you know you're familiar with like Spanish cuisine. Yeah. Like okay, what sure. do you think? What do you think is suitable to Lee Ben? Okay. Out in Spain. So once again, for the listeners, because mm-hmm. we're making content uh, about Liban again. Yeah. He's allergic to anything that comes out of the water. He's allergic to any seafood. Yeah. Anything that touches water. Yeah. Also, already so many classic Spanish dishes are out of question. <laughs> yeah, so no paella? No paella. The he whole thing rice. is toxic for him. Because he can't eat rice. No, he can eat rice. He can relax. He can eat rice. Okay. As long as it didn't touch the water, though. Okay. Like the ocean water. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's got to be freshwater yeah. rice, okay? <laughs> Yo, he needs to move to Mars, man. He needs, like, dry <laughs> land. <laughs> Yo. This guy's okay. eating a cactus. <laughs> so he can't eat any seafood. Yeah, so seafood is out. He's not eating any pork. Yeah. Right? Um, Can he have any of the tapas? Maybe the potatoes. So that takes all the potato uh, all the hams and stuff like that in Spain. Oh, he's, he's not right. eating any of the hams, right? right? No Iberical hams for him. The same right. Jose Calderon. All right, <laughs> right. So no, no, no pork. Yeah. Um, he he's allergic to eggs. He is allergic to eggs as well. And I I don't know if eggs is like he's that allergic to anything used. that's just produced naturally. <laughs> <laughs> like if it's produced from God's green earth, it's it's haram. <laughs> Yo, like, that's why we call him Haram Olajuwon. No, nah, that's that's hey man. That's actually, I think he actually likes that. Oh man, um, he can't even drink a dream shake. He he doesn't drink as well. Obviously, he doesn't drink. Yep. Um, he doesn't gamble. Maybe there's one other thing he was allergic to. Maybe like chocolate or something. Yeah. So, so like, what I, is? Left? I actually don't know how much of Spanish gastronomy he can actually enjoy. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna need to get a report. Maybe I'll just message him and see what like, is. What are you what eating out there, bro? Like, it, yeah. Is, it, is, yeah. Because like, that's the thing. I feel like, I mean, yeah, Spanish cuisine is excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. is he going to have tach- tapas? Is he having those uh, pinchos? You know what I mean? Like, what's he doing out there? Is he eating an olive? He also went to Las Ramblas, which is that famous, like, nighttime strip that the 92 Dream Team frequented. Yeah. Is, is he wearing games. the same outfit that uh, Charles Barkley <laughs> oh, yeah, wore there? Barkley was wearing. The pink shorts, the Barbie shorts? Oh, I mean, if they were yellow, probably. He's probably wearing a yellow version of that <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> They're like, what is this bottle of mustard doing during El Clasico? Oh, man. El Mustardo. Anyways, that's yeah, our I'm actually a little concerned. Lee Man, if you're if you're if you're eating okay over yeah, there, if, like, if you're let eating us know. if you're eating at all, just just let, let, let us, us know. know. Man. Don't tell us you you're eating at the McDonald's near there, all right? Like just yeah. tell me you're just trying some of the local foods. It's, yeah. It's difficult for him, man. I, I feel for him though. He does have a lot of uh, dietary restrictions. Yeah, no, it must. It, I can't imagine navigating through life the way he does, but he he makes it work. He makes it work. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Final. <laughs> this is so dramatic. Final. Final segment. Yeah. We're continuing our our running dialogue about Lord of the Rings, um, and there's two emails from listeners from our past episodes that. I wanted to share with you. All right, all right, let's do it. The first one is from Lewis Perrin. He said, on your recent episode, Will said that Samwise from Lord of the Rings was the only character who, quote, didn't have an Australian, New Zealand, or British accent, which, in fact, is untrue Okay. on two counts. Okay, all right. Number one, Sean Astin in the role of Samwise was, in fact, doing a very convincing West Country English accent. 
the accent of the countryside of Devon. Oh, you know what? Or he Somerset. really was. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're you're right. He even said some potatoes. Uh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. Damn, I really bricked that. Yeah. My <laughs> bad. My that, bad. That's what Levi needs retraction. to eat out there, man. No, the potatoes. He, that's what he said to people <laughs> in Spain, man. Number two, there were no Australian or New Zealand accents in Lord of the Rings, but all some variety of British. Mm. I.e. Gimli the Dwarf. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yo, I didn't explain dwarfs. <laughs> That's what they call Delhi. Uh, Della no, Nova. Not stuff. Um, Gimli the Dwarf. He had really a, from the man. <laughs> he's really the man from down under, man. Gimli the Dwarf had a strong Scottish accent. The elves all pretty much all spoke with received pronunciation. BBC English. Okay. But certainly nothing outside of the British Isles. The same was even more true for the Hobbit movies, where there was Northern Irish accents from the and the accents from the north of england mm. much love from the uk that's fair and number fair. one english raptors fan wow lewis that, that's a, that's a great email that's a great yeah. email because no now that i'm thinking about it you're right sam fully does a british accent the whole time even though he's an american actor yeah so this checks out this fact check this actually does check true. out yeah you're right Damn. okay and the next more interesting one i guess actually, was no. just that, i think the thing to me was just like nobody was speaking in like any sort of american accent at all yeah movie. Um, next one, oh. equally as interesting, from uh, David Aruda. Okay. First of all, thank you to you both for all the amazing content. Alex, oh, cool. I already got uh, my pre-order of Prehistoric in. Nice. Can't wait to read it. So I know Alex has some questions about Lord of the Rings, specifically what are hobbits. Mm -hmm. Will is <laughs> right in calling them halflings, but I think they differ from what the disgusting brothers, Smeagol and Deagle, who are definitely the original. This is a great call out by David. That's a great one. That's they a great are one. definitely the disgusting brothers because uh -huh. this man just swims in swamps with one change of clothing, zero change of clothing. Um, uh, they differ from what the disgusting brothers, Smeagol and Deagle are. Nonetheless, here is an NBA comp for each of the main species oh, okay. in right. Lord let, of the Rings. Let, let's hear it. Let's, let's, I hope okay. it's not problematic, man. Please so, go. Elves. Yeah. In the timeline, Middle Earth is in the Third Age, yep. which is dominated by the elves. They are essentially the Lakers and Celtics, proverbial contenders. Okay. Check. Check mark. Uh, yeah. I mean, so elves, they, they never die. They're like... They just never fairer, die. Fairer skin. I mean, like you can kill them, but like right. they, don't, they don't naturally age to, to death. Who's example. the most famous elf in the movie? Uh, Is there? Legolas. Oh, he's yeah, an he got elf. The, he got a pointed ears. He got elf ears. He got elf ears. Orlando Bloom. You know, like yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, uh, yeah. he was like a, a boy. Kate Blanchett. Band. You know, in the first movie, she Kate played. Blanchett is in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What? Big pull. Big pull. <laughs> okay, yeah. Lord of the Rings had Riz, man. Like, okay, okay. Oh, they didn't have nobody doing the thing. Okay, next up. Yo, you don't re you don't remember Galadriel, Lady Galadriel? That's that's Kate Blanchett. Yeah, man, she didn't win an Oscar, I bet. Um, I don't think so, but okay. Next, she are... was Australian. Oh, okay. You tell me, there's no Australians. Come on, orcs and Urukai. Did I pronounce that right? Urukai. 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 Ur okay, man. <laughs> that's this Dennis Schroeder. This is a Herbie <laughs> Kuhn lesson this is right Dennis now. Dennis Schroeder. So uh, David says, these are the bad guys that fight for Sauron and Saruman. Right. So these are the, I believe the lore behind these are, these are the elves that were like dead elves that fought, like died <laughs> during a war. And then they like unearthed, they literally like dug them out of the earth. Yeah. And they're like corrupted because they're dead. <laughs> and they're like been living underground. I love how corrupt Middle Earth is, man. It, it's weird. Everyone gets corrupt by jewelry, <laughs> by death. <laughs> It's a shady spot, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. he said that they used to be elves, but have been transformed. Oh, yeah, like yeah, you said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, these guys are essentially any team that is run by Doc Rivers. 
whether the head okay. office or as coach, no one likes the team and he ends up signing players who play well against him. So in a way they transform to the very things they were fighting against. I guess the same can be said for any Daryl Morey team, mm. specifically his signings of PJ Tucker and Daniel house jr. Yeah. I, they, I feel they like do David's give me some put a lot of energy for sure. David's put a lot of thought into this. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can no, tell. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. All right. I like that. I, I like that. Okay. Next up are humans. Yep. By the end of Lord of the Rings, the age of man is beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds toxic too, man. <laughs> so they're the, the patriarchy. <laughs> so, is the fourth act, so right? they're the guys who uh, run the league now. Y- sure, you, yeah. you can think of them as uh, the present day Warriors. Okay. Or the Spurs uh, with Duncan, Pop, Ginobili, and Parker. Mm, okay. All right. You like that? A little bit, yeah. Okay. I suppose in this in this more recent analogy, the Spurs would be the elves. Okay. And then the men would be. Uh, the Warriors. Because that's like, they took over. They took over yeah. the, the new era. Sure. Is LeBron Sauron in this? I'm going to make that prediction right now that LeBron is Sauron. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So he's got four more here. Yeah. Um, dwarves. Yep. They're always there, but aren't as influential as elves or humans. They have a long-running beef with elves. <laughs> they do have a beef with elves. It's true. That's why Gimli and Legolas were beefing the whole time. But then they become great friends, and it's nice. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they could be the Sixers in the '80s. Had some success, but were forgotten. Mm. Another comp would be the 1978 SuperSonics. Okay, a short time in the sun. So these were teams that like had success, but then like disappeared. One-time champions. Yeah, you tell me the Raptors are. The- no, <laughs> you tell me the Raptors are the are the dwarves in this scenario. No, Azotem and uh, Darko are Smeagol and Deagle. No, Azotem definitely <laughs> sounds like a lot of the Rings character to the me. Disgusting synergy, brothers. <laughs> Hobbits. First things first. Shout out to the gaffer. Yes. Yeah, although Sam, Sam fast. Although the Hobbits, Frodo, Samwise, Miradoc, and Peregrine. Yeah, so that's Merry and Pippin's like full name. <laughs> <laughs> Pippin is actually he's Scotty Peregrine. <laughs> Yo, every every parent, every parent in Middle Earth should be arrested. I'm just man. telling you, man. Nobody has a real like regular name. Yo, in Lord once of the again, Rings, man. man, tell me J.R.R. Tolkien isn't overrated. So they are focal characters in Lord of the Rings. In Middle Earth, the Hobbits are unknown to many characters within mm. the world. Yep. So the comp could be the playoffs for certain franchises, i.e. the Sacramento Kings making it last year. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or you can do franchises who had exciting teams but never won, i.e. the Phoenix Suns, seven seconds or less. Mm. So those are the Hobbits. And now okay. we come All upon right. Ents? Ents. Oh, yeah, yeah. These nice, are nice. the big sentient trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This species, like the hobbits, are things of lore for many within the world. Mm-hmm. However, for many, they're believed to be extinct. I guess this could be the franchises that have been relocated, specifically the Grizzlies, Buffalo Braves, mm. the Hawks. Again, the signs of life from the bygone franchises are still present within the current franchises, i.e. the Grizzlies still wear their teal jerseys, but any mention of them in the history books is scarce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you, you remember the Ents? No, so they're, they like, they talk? So they're like the like trees just talk? trees, like they're the shepherds of trees, like they protect yeah. the trees, but they're moving trees that like live for an extremely long time. Yeah. And do you remember the second movie when like, they're the ones who actually beat Saruman? No, I clearly don't remember anything. Like all these ants, like literally like this whole forest of trees just like walked up and like started throwing rocks and like broke. <laughs> and, and, and this is supposed to be good? <laughs> yeah. You know, that was a great scene, man. You don't understand. No, man. These are just tree guys. Like they're just trees. Yeah, they kind of look like cheese strings, but with 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 uh, branches instead of oh cheese. Oh my god! And they took down the big bad. They they <laughs> they took down Cyberman, man. Oh my god! 
All yeah, right. that was a big that was a big uh, part of the second movie. No, right. I, you, I can't believe you watched the whole movie. What do you, what do you actually remember from the movie? Hold Absolutely on. Absolutely nothing. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Do you not remember anything from watching one? Like, did you watch Our, all three? Yeah, I remember Legolas. So you com- watched like at least eight hours of Lord of the Rings. Legolas or like, was it Aragorn? Yeah. One yeah. of those guys rolled in with like the bow and arrow or something, right? Didn't that's one Legolas? Of them? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all I remember. Yeah. That's it from eight yeah. hours of take And then I remember, and then I, and then I, I remember at the end, Gollum like reaching for the ring or something, right? Like in the pit of fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it slips Did away you fall from. Fall asleep for the other six and a half <laughs> I just, hours. It just didn't draw me. Yeah. Wow. It's not. These are. It's not a good trilogy. But that's all you remember. Do you remember Gandalf? I remember Gandalf the person, but I don't remember yeah. anything he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did do a lot of talking. It was not not as much action from him. Yeah, I remember. I, like I remember. I think Sam and and um, who's the main dude? Frodo. Yeah, you I don't remember Frodo, bro? Sam and Frodo were like best friends, right? Like they were like tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam was his gardener. But they would just like go from it. village to village type beat. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. they had to walk across the whole earth essentially to, <laughs> yeah, to no drop No cars, man. Off. No buggies. Like, definitely no cars, man. Yeah. They were riding some horses at one point. They were riding ponies because because yeah. they're, they're they're hobbits. So they got to ride smaller <laughs> horses. <laughs> they had the right ponies. <laughs> Anyways, last one is wizards. Yeah, yeah. Now there isn't many wizards. There aren't that many wizards. The two there that really are involved aren't. in Lord of the Rings are Gandalf and Saruman. Yeah, yeah. Wizards are catalysts. They play a role, but it's meant to be on the edge mm. as opposed to being in the thick of things. Now I understand that two wizards we spend time with are central to the story, but I think the analysis holds true because Gandalf travels and rallies the troops at various points in the story, yep. acting as an agent that helps move the plot along. See Rich Paul? <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Wow. The, the comp can work a couple ways. You can think of them as a role player, uh-huh. specifically Robert Ori. He can impact the game in good ways or bad ways, and it works for both. So it works for both wizards. Okay. And he said, good ways is the shot against the Sacramento Kings. Bad ways is shoving Steve Nash into the scores table. I mean, that technically helped his team win. So that yeah. was actually a good way for him. <laughs> so, and he said, however, I think comparing them to referees is more apt. Referees? Saruman can be compared to Don- Tim Donaghy or Scott Foster. <laughs> no, come on, Gandalf man. can be compared to Zach Zarba or Zach Bill Zarba Kennedy. <laughs> so funny, man. Rich Paul is actually Zach pretty good. Zarba. No, I think Rich Paul is pretty good. Yeah, why did Zach Zarba come on it's the like, pod, man? It's like... Why, why does no, Zach no. Zarba have such strong features, by the way? He looks like he looks like a leading man kind of type, Gandalf man. and Saruman are uh, David Falk and Rich Paul. Is the yeah, conclusion. This pod is so funny, man. <laughs> Anyways, thank you. Thank you, David, for your Thank you. Thank you. For that, email. That's, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. So to wrap up. Do you, do you, so what do you understand about Lord of the Rings now? Can you can if you were to if I didn't know anything about Lord of the Rings and you're just telling me like yeah. what what the story is about, can you summarize Lord of the Rings for yeah, me? Yeah, everybody's just chasing the ring. That's not <laughs> it, man. That's not really it. Like, yeah. What's well, like the deeper story? Like friendship? I mean, yeah, kind of. Okay. Kind of fellowship, you know, Fellowship of the Ring, the first movie. Yeah. No, but like, like they're trying to defeat the one common evil in this case, and that's right. why they want to get rid of the ring because they have to take it like deep into yeah. his territory and throw a touchdown. Yeah. So they can, you know, that's the only place that they can score. So really. basically, this is like a boring football. It's like a Cowboys versus Giants. <laughs> I don't even know. Football man. game. I know as much about Giants and Cowboys as you know about uh, some <laughs> rings. You might even know more at this point. All Who right. is the NFL's Zorar Deagle? Um, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. All right. To wrap up, do you have a new character? I've, I've been to trying to find a new character. No new character. Any uh, rhyming couplets? Th- there's not as many rhyming names anymore. I mean, you know, like Frodo and 
Bilbo are technically kind of like they got that thing going on too. But <laughs> what thing, man? You can't be so <laughs> the, vague. The about rhyming it. thing. Oh, okay. The, uh, oh yeah, Bilbo Baggins. What did you know? Oh, yeah. did you know that Aragorn? Can in the we movie? say, yo, he's in his Bilbo Baggins? No, you <laughs> cannot. Man. Can, we, can we introduce that into the lexicon? That's, that's, that's terrible, bro. Ah oh, man. Um. Okay. Did you know that Aragorn had two love interests in the movie? Okay. He he, Lou Williams. <laughs> You're saying he's Lou Williams. Okay. So yeah. So Aragorn, first off, he's like 200 years old in the movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. So so he's Mr. Burns. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So he's he's a he's a he's a he's a year twenty yeah. vet. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's Le, he's LeBron's like striving hashtag striving for greatness level. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. He was played by Viggo Mortensen. That's right. Right. That's Viggo Mortensen by the way. Great actor. Damn. Um. So when he comes into it, the first movie introduces that he has like, um, like a girlfriend or I don't even know. They're they're not really. Are they married? Maybe he's his wife. Yeah. But uh, he's married to an elf, Arwen. Yeah. yeah. Who is played by um. Oh, what's her name? What's her actress's name? Uh, how am I forgetting? Liv, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler, yeah, yeah. Person, yeah. Person. Oh, I remember her she in the movie. To, she has to live forever. Okay, I, I remember her in the yeah, movie. Yeah, so okay, that, yeah. was, that, was, that was his thing from the first movie, right? But okay. she stays behind and she's supposed to be leaving the rest, the rest of the elves. They're trying to go towards the west where they can live forever in this new world. Or yeah. this different world. I guess they were technically where they're from. Yeah. So she's about to leave him. and she's Her choice is like, if I stay behind and stay with... Aragorn, I'm gonna be doomed to. I'm gonna lose my immortality. Oh, I'm gonna die one day. And then her dad's pressuring her and being like, "Yo, you're an elf. Like, you gotta come with me. We gotta. We're gonna. We're gonna leave." Yeah. That was um. That he's he's a, he's he's a, he's he's a Elrond. You know Elrond. He's <laughs> Elrond Hubbard <laughs> of Scientology. <laughs> No, yeah, you know what? It is kind of funny. His name is Elrond. What, now, what? Now what are we talking about here? Man? All right. Man, no, he's, the, he's all right. So he's, he's the got, guy. He's the guy who plays, you know, the, the agents in uh, in the Matrix. Oh, he's in this. Yeah, yeah. Agent H- Smith, Hugo Weaving. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. So he's in this. He's 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 Arwen's dad. He's yeah, Liv Tyler's dad. Wow. And he's like, yo, I you know I don't approve of this wedding or whatever, this marriage. Like yeah. she belongs with the rest of the elves and the immortality. So then when Aragorn splits from them, his, in his mind, he's like, all right, well, I guess like you know my girl's gone. She's, yeah, she's gonna live forever. Meanwhile, I'm gonna die yeah. here and fight. So some, he's like, I have to Riz. Yeah. So then the next movie, so he doesn't really know because people don't have cell phones in this whole thing. He doesn't yeah. realize that she actually makes a choice to stay behind, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or maybe he does. Actually, I'm not totally entirely sure. But then he's like walking around in the second movie. In the second movie, they're mostly focused on like the horse ridden people. <laughs> so there's yeah. like two countries of men, right? There's yeah. like there's like Aragorn's men, which are from, you know, Gondor. Yeah. And then there's the there's there's, there's Rohan, which is just fully the name of some a very common brown name. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like Vivek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the country is just called Vivek. Anyway, <laughs> Rohan. All right. Yeah. Has a whole bunch of different men, mostly horse written people. Yeah. And so one of the princesses, they're like, she's like a warrior princess. She like fights other people as well, but like mm. she falls in love with Aragorn along the way. Oh, and then is there like a love triangle? There kind of is a low love triangle thing. They actually kind of squeeze it into the movie. However, it's only really in the extended version, I think. Yeah. Where we don't need an extended cut up. of this. No, man. there's extended. You didn't see the Lord of the Rings extended version. No, we don't oh, need that's that. That's a shame, man. We don't need. You that. miss a lot of lore when you when you when you we, see that. We need a de extended cut. 
You need a you need a director's cut. But Holy like, man! You need a producer's cut. Like, yeah, that's what we need. No, because the extended versions is like the the movies themselves are already like three hours, but the extended yeah. version is like three hour thirty. Yeah, and then the final one, Return of the King, is like four hours and fifteen minutes or something. Yeah, it's just it just seems unnecessary. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's like a banter pod. Yeah, so. <laughs> but <laughs> so but I get I get I get yeah. there's a there's a huge fan base. I just. I don't know. I feel like the Lord of the Rings fan base isn't as strong as like the Star Wars or no, like the no, Star you Trek. That was the original. Like okay. people were doing this. Like okay, people were drawing maps and stuff like that. You know, like, yeah. It's probably because they didn't have the internet back then or something. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, they had like, too yeah. much time on their hands. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, shows. Uh, you know, it's been surprising. Like just getting the emails and messages. I, I guess mean, I'm not it's surprised. Popular. Yeah, though, I'm not surprised. You know? But it's like yeah, there's a lot of people who listen to the show who are like super passionate yeah, about yeah. Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you're still listening, let us know what's the next, um, you know, like legacy series you would like us to cover. Um, so let us know. Wait, we Info have to, one of us would actually have to consume it, so I think that would be, <laughs> be kind of difficult. Like, this ain't just uh, like talking about the bear or whatever. Oh, like. yeah, that's true. All right, that's it. That's, that's it, it for the show. Thank you. Thanks more for listening. Uh, Alex, welcome back, even though you were only away for three days, <laughs> but whatever, it felt like more. And, um, yeah, you know, congrats once again to Canada for the bronze medal. And mm. um, we will try to make more content on this podcast. But as always, I can't promise when it's going to come. Um, but there will be more episodes this week. And uh, training camp is only two and a half more weeks away. So we're going to get plenty of Raptors. Did you want to do a Dennis Schroeder? Should he start debate? Because uh, we're going to be doing that for like three straight shows. Uh, oh, yeah, I can't wait. Season October 26th, save the date. October 26th. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Peace out.